Hello, you've reached the winter of our discontent. I'm uh, making this documentary about my friends, but it's really about people who are trying to find their own identity without having any real role models or heroes or anything. And it seems like your friends would be perfect for that. I truly believe that if we can get two women on the Supreme Court, we can get at least one on you, Sam. I lost my job. Why did you get a job at Burgerama? I was valedictorian of my university. Well, you don't have to put that down in your application. Do you have any idea what it means to be a cashier at Wiener Schnitzel? There you go, sir. And have a tune, Wiener dude. A couple of smokes, a cup of coffee, and a little bit of conversation. You and me and five bucks. You got it. He's strange, he's sloppy, he's a total nightmare for women. I can't believe I haven't stuck with him yet. Are you religious? I guess I'm uh, a non-practicing Jew. Hey, I'm a non-practicing virgin. Did he dazzle you with his extensive knowledge of mineral water? He's not a yuppie. What is your glitch, huh? My glitch? Why are you acting like a jealous boyfriend all of a sudden? Hi. You look beautiful. You you look like you look like a doily. Wonderful lines interspersed throughout them about every 12 minutes for $1,000. It's uh, three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet none of the ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio, this is the Rick Emerson, the radio program. It is Tuesday. Welcome to Day 12. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Two nine seventy. If you'd like to join us today, you know the other great line from that movie. Here's the thing about Reality Bites. It's a terrible film. You hear about things that are more than the sum of their parts. That movie is less than the sum of its parts. I mean, it's not that it's completely irredeemable. I mean, there are some moments in that film that are really well done. It's just that the movie that you know what it is. That movie is like that movie is like a bowl of Captain Crunch or Captain Crunch, except. With far fewer marshmallows and a lot more of that weird, amorphous, nondescript brown stuff. I mean, it, 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 every now and again. I don't even really like Captain Crunch, but it's the only analogy I can come up with. It, it's the, oh, Captain Crunch is awesome. It's a ter- or no, not Captain Crunch. I'm thinking of Lucky Charms. the wrong stuff, yeah. I'm thinking of Lucky Charms. It's that, um, you know, because at Lucky Charms, there's the green clovers and blue whatever and yellow something or other. And then there's all of the weird brown stuff, which I've always theorized is just a bunch of sweepings from the floor of the General Mills factory. Like, it's just a bunch of stuff that they left over from making multi-meal or whatever. Goes into a box. How can we get kids to eat our gruel? Bam! Marshmallows. And so the whole, the cereal as a whole is not that interesting. And, of course, the brown stuff is just tedious and completely without flavor. But there are just enough marshmallows there to keep you kind of interested, especially you got nothing else to eat in the house. So if there's nothing else to watch on TBS on a Saturday afternoon, Reality Bites comes on. 
every, I don't know, five, ten minutes, there'll be some scene, some line, some moment, some catchphrase. The other great scene from that that's not in the trailer is, is and I can't believe I'm the saying baby, this. Baby, I love your wife. Theme. No, no, that's terrible. It's the, it's the scene, it's where Spade says, um, Trey says, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. I mean, that's probably the only thing that's not Tommy Boy that I've ever liked David Spade in. I like when she's trying to get the job and they just, like, define irony. <laughs> it's when something is really ironic. And Ethan Hawke, of course, answers in a smarmy voice in a second. Oh, he's so obnoxious in that movie. Uh, you know, and, and he's you, not attractive. And you totally nailed it when you said that reality bites just furthers the idea that if you, if you love a, a misbehaving rebel, you can heal him. And then your relationship will be perfect. Isn't that right, Sarah? <laughs> it always works out exactly that way, yes. doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if only I could tame him. <laughs> I can be the one to make him change. <laughs> He'll love me. No, he's not an ass. <laughs> There's a nice person underneath It's there. part of his rugged outlaw charm. He's hiding a wounded child. Don't you see it? Yeah. Whatever. All right. It's uh, that, you, that you look like a doily line is pretty great, though. See, and that's the thing is, as much as I claim to hate the movie, I can just quote to you whole sections of it. Um, like and that's when Janine Garofalo was so cute. That, that was when she moment. was my... No, in that, in this entire movie, when she had the really dark hair, like, blunt bangs, right. red lipstick, and a lot of, like, kooky vintage dresses. And she had I wanted a, uh, to be her when I was younger. And I think she had uh, the Gene Simmons Kiss solo record tacked up behind her bed, I think, which is kind of That's all the notches on her bed. Yeah. Bones. See, now I got all the lines going there, but you're out of there before the condom comes off. All right, I got a quick quoting Reality Bites. Makes me sound like a retard. Yeah, and for it, someone who claims to not like the movie, you know the, the thing. entire it's, thing. It's, it's one of those, I, I, I think I've only seen it two or three times, probably. I mean, I won't say that I only saw it once. I saw it a few different times. Because there was a moment where it seemed like it was really important. Like for about five minutes in 1993 or whenever it is that came out. There was like this tiny little window of time, and I, my wife and I have had this discussion, actually. There was this tiny little slice of time where Reality Bites seemed like it was an important movie that was, capitalized now, saying something. And then you realize it was just crap. Um, but I've seen it enough that I can, I can quote a bunch of sections from it. They're, they, like Ethan Hawke has that line about, the, all I need are my camel straights, you know, or whatever. There's that exchange, too, with Ben Stiller right after he says that you look like a doily. And uh, Ben Stiller says, you know, don't change. And he says, yeah, don't go thinking for yourself either. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of a, real, a well-written bad film. I guess that's my whole thing about it. I would never say that reality bites, and it must be sort of important because I'm sitting here getting so worked up about it. It's not that it's badly written. It's kind of well written, but just about people that I don't like doing things that irritate me in a way that I find off-putting and smug. So that's the thing. It's like a well-written, terrible film. I liked everybody in that movie except Ethan Hawke. I think if they had recast Ethan Hawke's character, and maybe Ben Stiller. Yeah. Mm. Ethan Hawke, I just I didn't buy him as like the, I don't know, the... The loner, brainiac, hot band guy. Great cast, though. It's got Steve Zahn, too, and Ethan Hawke, who is a really good actor. And I will tell you this. It took me a long time to come around again to liking Ethan Hawke. And I know a lot of people, and it's all because of Reality Bites. I know, because he was in Dead Poet Society. You know, he was mm -hmm. great. And I know a lot of people who took ten years to get over Reality Bites because they just hated him so much after that movie. And I'm right there with him. Uh, it took until um, Before Sunrise. Uh, for me to like Ethan Hawke again. And that movie was so great that it, it immediately won me back over. But, uh, all right, there you go. And done. Oh, and here's the other thing about Reality Bites. My final thought on this, at least for this, for this moment. My final thought about Reality Bites is this. The other thing that I find just horrifically off-putting about this movie is, unless I'm remembering it incorrectly, because this came out of, what, 92? 92, 93? I mean, I would have been, what, 19 years old probably when this came out? 
I'm pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure that's when it was. It was early nineties. It was it was right yeah, around the time sure. of Nirvana. And I think I was still living Did in it come out around the same time as singles? Yeah, and I was still living in Washington, so I think it would have been before ninety four. So I think it was ninety two or not. Anyway, the point is I was about ninety four. Yeah, so I was about twenty years old when this came out. And I didn't like to sing the hard scrabble song of my of my you know Did you know Ben Stiller directed it? Yes I did. I did not. Um so it's not like to be the, 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 sing the song of Johnny Blue Collar, but I mean, I was—I did not have a lot of money at the time, and I was in radio and you, you, working, you, you, working, you know, did all these crazy hours to try to make a living and trying to get by and trying to scratch out some sort of hideous existence on my minimum wage job. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end of Reality Bites, is not Winona Ryder, who is a goddamn college graduate from a clearly wealthy family. Is her answer not at the end to swindle her parents out of a bunch of money using their credit card? Like, that's how she makes her living? Oh, yeah, getting the gas, getting yeah. people to pay and so she, cash for so the gas. She effectively, so she effectively just steals a bunch of money from her parents at the end, unrepentantly, because her parents have enough money that they're not going to notice or care. So the moral is be born to rich parents and then just take their money if you don't want to get a job. So there you go. That's the other reason why that movie rang real hollow to me. So, all right, there you go. Angry I No, I'm just saying. It, the whole thing just irritates me. She was hot, though. I'll give you that. Her and Janine Garofalo were both opens her mouth. hot as balls, yeah, especially when they weren't talking. You know what I'm talking about. All right. It's 503-733-2970. I don't know. I don't even... I'm, just, I'm freestyling now. I'm winging it. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Ten minutes we just spent on that. If you want to uh, call in with your comments about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, you can do it. 503 733 2970. Scotty J standing by, ready to pass along your phone calls about whatever. Uh, you can uh, email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, uh, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or scotty j at 970.am. Uh, all right, we'll, um, we'll return to all that here in just a few. Uh, what's coming up today? CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy uh, joining us today. Well, A, this is kind of creepy. A, I guess they said that they're, they don't think they're ever going to find those mine guys in Utah. Well, that's just, which is just weird. Like, they just, there was some pressure saying, well, we don't think we'll ever look. I mean, I don't mean to be daft about this, but it's a mine. How? I mean, you know where it is, presumably. It's not like they were just digging random holes in the ground. Yet we're volunteering help to go help the hurricane victims in South America and Mexico. Well, that's great. It's a good thing there's nobody trapped here that needs help. So, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it's a mine. I guess they had a chart and a map and whatever. Like, how many places could they be? So, apparently, they're just writing those guys off. Uh, speaking of writing somebody off, Michael Vick either pled or is pleading guilty today. I think yesterday he announced the deal. I think he officially pleads today. And then the good news is he'll be going to prison. So farewell to ye, Michael Vick. Probably a shanking in that guy's future. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard uh, will join us today. We'll also have uh, Mark Shearer from New York. I have here the CNN prep sheet. Mark Shearer will be talking about America's best party schools. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that it's some sort of a serious story. I'm not going to, like, arch my eyebrow and go, is, you know, is your child learning more than the three R's? If you, well, I don't know what the fourth R would be. Reading, writing, arithmetic, and... What's a, what's a wacky thing that starts with R? Rohypnol. Did you say arithmetic? Arithmetic. You know the three R's? No. And that's ironic that. because, of course, the three R's at school and then they're misspelling arithmetic. Reading, writing, arithmetic. And writing doesn't start with an R either, actually, now that I think about it. Well, that's just stupid. I wonder if that was deliberately ironic when they came up with that. 
All right. Uh, what else? So there you go. Ed McCarthy, Lisa Goddard, uh, Mark Shearer. Uh, we will have a, the top five. We'll talk about. Oh, I got. I have to do this today. I have to talk about my my trip to England because my wife and I have this sort of initial itinerary. But because she doesn't trust me to do anything, really, which is which is proper, uh, she asked me to run it by everybody, which is which is you all. So, so she wants me to run it by uh, by you guys, and uh, and I guess you you then will determine what I'm doing when I'm out of the country. So there you go. Uh, we will also revisit yesterday's hunt for the second worst story ever, because there was some. I'm not going to say there was controversy. I'm just going to say that there was some debate about the nature of the first story, and how exactly. You would die while being attacked by your own collection of rabid uh, spiders or whatever they are, lethal, the, the angry, vicious. So there's this guy who was killed and then eaten by his own collection of exotic spiders. And so there was some debate about the nature of said death. So we will revisit that um, today. Let's see what else. Oh, and then Tim Riley has more uh, entries. It, uh, these are from New Hampshire, from the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasting. Tim Riley has been selected as a judge to rank and offer critique of the next generation of young radio broadcasters. So we'll play another one of those entries today. It's all very exciting. Uh, we're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Why? Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Look what I'm holding. That's a copy of War Games, is it not, on DVD? Yes, Shane. on three times over the weekend. I've still never seen it. Here's the great thing about this. So I got an email. I knew you were going to be getting it in the mail Thank today. you, Seamus. I got this email from Seamus, and he said, he's like, hey, I, don't, I really don't, because he's the one who bought you the hot diggity dogger. And he, he, I know. I'm starting to feel guilty. He's so nice to me. Well, he said, he said, um, he sent me this email, and he goes, look, Sarah's going to be getting a package in the mail on Tuesday. Now, I don't want to seem creepy, because I know this he's is the second creepy. thing I've sent to her. He said, apparently he doesn't remember buying it for you. He said that he was drinking a lot of whiskey. He woke up the next morning all hungover and had an inbox uh, or a receipt from Amazon.com in his inbox, but doesn't remember buying it. So apparently while he was drunk, the first thing that came to mind was to go and buy you a copy of War Games from Amazon. Yeah, he was so mad. Like He sent me a scathing email, though, about that it. He hadn't, that you hadn't seen that it. That I hadn't seen it, and he's like, shame on you, it Sarah. A, it's a pretty great film. There's no getting around that. Oh, I'm so excited. I already watched all the C- or the DVDs that I bought from CD Game Exchange. Yeah. How sad is that? No, no. I need to get a life. No, what am I doing? With, I've been sitting at home watching movies. You don't need to get a life. Okay. Uh, lives are overrated. So he doesn't remember buying you that, but he does. You know, he did get the inbox email from Amazon saying, hey, you have sent war games to Sarah Dillon. So I'm there you go. So you excited. should watch it. Is it, uh, is it like a special edition? Are there bonus features of any kind? Because if um, so, I might have to borrow it. Feature-length audio commentary yeah. by directors John Bottom and, writer, and the writers. <laughs> and yesterday, our um, soapbox derby car, thank God, was not destroyed, and we spent the day painting it, and it looks just... Ridiculous. And is what? This coming Sunday? It's this Saturday. This Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. I must whore. All right. At 10 a.m., no, top of Mount Tabor. Excellent. There's Be a drinking there. permit, so you can drink anywhere on Mount Tabor. Right before you careen down the hill at 80 miles an hour in a big box of No, you have designated, de- designated-ish uh, dryer, drivers. Designated-esque. All right. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. The Damage Space Shuttle made a perfect landing today. Elvis's gun was stolen but found again. There are over 1,000 illegal aliens in Oregon State prisons. The Portland Archdiocese just got their lawyer's bill for defending them in the sex abuse thing. $11 million. 
Arriving following a Gorge concert leaves portable toilets in flames. Fantastic. The president volunteers America's help following the hurricane in Mexico. We're good at dealing with such things. Excellent. All of that, plus, uh, as I said, the uh, revisiting the second worst story ever, the top five. Uh, Lisa Goddard, uh, Ed McCarthy, Mark Shearer. We'll get to these phone calls here in just a few. And uh, so forth. By the way, I do want to say to the many people who sent me emails about this, yes, I am watching season one of Battlestar Galactica right now. Uh, Fat Boy from KUFO lent it to me. Uh, it really is. I didn't know what to expect. My, you know, my ex, my, the, the bar was set pretty low because I thought it was just going to be another pointless Hollywoodization, another, another tedious, uninspired remake of the original. But you know what? It really is fantastic. And I'm only on season one right now. There are another three more to get to. Uh, I think three more, and then this upcoming season uh, that I guess they're going to air is going to be the final one. So um, it really is great. So Battlestar Galactica, fantastic. I mean, it's just the great thing about Battlestar Galactica, though, is it's just dark. It's just the perfect Rick Emerson show because it's just grim and gloomy, and everyone, you know, ev everything is filled with dread. It's like one big, gigantic, black, dark uh, tunnel, a tunnel filled with Cylons. So, uh, so the Cylons, which, by the way, Cylons are sort of. Uh, they're sort of the robotic sleaze decks of the Gen of the Gen X world. Uh, it really, I mean, there ought to be some sort of spin-off. You know, there's like Alien versus Predator. There really ought to be a sleaze deck versus Cylon uh, comic book or video game. I would absolutely watch such a thing because they both just it live eternally in the nightmare dungeons of all thirty somethings. They're all right there. So there you go. Uh, oh, by the way, just the, the only thing I'm going to say about Lindsay Lohan today because we're all past caring about her. A, she's apparently in a rehab place in my wife's hometown. Yeah, she's been in Utah for a couple weeks now. Um, not just anywhere. It's in Orem, Utah, which is actually the single most conservative. It is the most single most Republican county in the entire country. More so than Orange County? More so than Orange County. Yeah, um, good for her, but that ain't getting her out of jail. No. Now, Orem, Utah is actually, uh, I, I, this was in that book, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, is actually the single most Republican county in all of the United States, and that's where Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan is, in, is in rehab. Tiny little place. Tiny little place uh, surrounded. You, it's like uh, it's like one of those Drudge Report stories because everywhere you go in a worm, there's a camera. Cameras on every street sign. Cameras on every stoplight. There's this great picture I have somewhere of us being in Orem, Utah, and we're at an intersection, literally the intersection of Freedom and Liberty Boulevards, and it's just covered with cameras. There's covered with cameras everywhere. And just the people who live there see no irony in that. Um, I'm just going to say this, though. Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan is on the cover of this month's Maxim magazine. This is the hottest photograph ever taken of her. I mean, I don't know if this was, I was going to say before rehab. I, I mean, she, clearly she was just stoned out of her brain when they made this because that was like a constant state of existence for her. So I don't know whether that contributes to this hotness, but really just the trashiest, hottest photo of Lindsay Lohan. I really don't buy it. Don't pay money for it. But either go by the newsstand or go online and look at the cover of the September 2007 Maxim magazine. I mean, she just looks... So skanky, but just unbelievably uh, sexy in just that, that kind of grubby, sort of sleazy, trashy way that only junkies can really get right. Hey, check out this photograph. Check out how hot that is. Look oh, that. you're such a guy. Come on, look at this that. Is a, uh, this is a photograph that guys think is hot that it's girls... Complete what is she doing? She's like That's mushing her boob? Yes, she is, Sarah. That is not sexy. That is the, you are wrong about that. I'm just going to tell you... That looks uncomfortable. Flat out? Yes, yeah, she's totally cracked out here. Yeah, uh, you want me to mush my left boob? 
<laughs> Let me mush for you. <laughs> that's nothing. Oh, I know. I gave it to him. No, yeah, that's, you know, Tim, that's mushing. Yeah, because Tim receives. Tim gets Maxim and Blender at home, and so then he reads and brings them in. Then I, then I, you know, so I, I get this sort of. Uh, I get the sort of the leavings of the, of, uh, of Tim Riley's magazine subscriptions. That it's all is, trashy, she, and she's it's shoving so trashy. It's oh my god! So sleazy. And it her really shoes falling off, and like yeah. she's like jamming her dress down. Yeah, you know that every guy you is betcha. going online. <laughs> Stunning photos that will bring you to your knees. Did you just say that? Did, did, was that Tim? Who just what did said you that? say? I just I just heard Tim go. You betcha. I don't know if I hallucinated that or not. All right. All right, I must see the rest of these stunning they photos. They can't possibly be any hotter than the cover. Because by definition, don't you think they put the hottest photo on the cover? Because they no, want you to pick it up. No, they put the second hottest. So that way you buy the magazine. Damn, I'm telling you, that's really if I was if I was that guy, and I'm not. But if I was that guy, like my old roommate John, that'd be the kind that gets tacked up on a wall somewhere. Like if I lived in a dorm, if I lived in some sort of a frat house, that's the kind of photo that gets taken, caught out, and stuck up on a wall. Uh, all right. Well, we got to get to these here in just a uh, second. We'll get to these phone calls. Um, what else? Well, that's pretty much it. Oh, let me, and we will later on in the program. Remember yesterday, uh, Jesse from Red Hot Pistol called up. Red Hot Pistol, who had that terrible lead singer for a while that sang that Lion's Den song. So Jesse calls up yesterday, and he says, um, he says, hey, by the way, we've got a new lead singer. you got to go to our MySpace and check out this song we recorded. And so I went there, and we all remember that Lion's Den song. I mean, it was awful. But I didn't, I didn't hold that against them. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. So I went to their MySpace. I can hear that song. In the Lion's Den. Right. I have to tell you, the new song they recorded is, like, off the charts great. Uh, so we'll play that uh, later. Uh, he sent me a little uh, link to that, and I, I downloaded it. So we'll play that later on today. Jesus, he's off the charts fantastic. Uh, all right, let's get these calls before we do anything else. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hello there, Rick. Hi. Hi, what's up? Uh, last night I was listening to Coast to Coast with George Norrie, yeah. and they announced that uh, they were going to have the drill in Oregon in Portland Tuesday through Friday. So this is, this is the, the dirty bomb drill or whatever right, they Right, right. See, and so it's all very interesting because now apparently there are two different things, though. There's the dirty bomb drill. And then there's this, what is it, Operation Noble Freedom? Noble Enduring? Oh, I haven't like heard that. that. Enduring yeah. Honor? I'll see if I can find Honor, it. I barely knew her, whatever. There's some, <laughs> there's some operation, something or other. So I think there's actually two different Homeland Security drills oh, happening. And so we got to figure out. <laughs> and we're we're kind of exactly. jealous because we haven't been asked to participate in any of these. They haven't asked us. So I mean, why should we care? We can be, the target. We can be bought. I mean, we can be rented out for propaganda purposes. We're we keep, down here with the bunker. No one takes us up on this offer. I am willing to spread any and all government lies for the right amount of money. I am willing to disseminate any kind of disinformation they need. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, hey, Rick, Yes. are you going to go to the uh, Isle of Skye on your vacation? To the to the what? Isle of Skye in Scotland. Uh, I don't know what that is, so uh, not at this juncture. It's a place, honey. It's a place. It's a place. I'm named after, it's by a, the way. Excellent. The Isle of Skye. Uh-huh. Look at, we're going to talk about that later on. i got this whole itinerary over here with Scotland and uh, England. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, let's see. So you're not going to Ireland, just Scotland and England? Uh, I don't think I'm going to Ireland because I think, you know, I'm only there for a week, so I don't have a whole lot of time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You're in the lion's den. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well done. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How's it going, Rick? Hey, what's up? 
I just wanted to let you know, I guess Dark Horse Comics is doing a Season 8 Buffy the Vampire Slayer in comic form. They are. Uh, the Buffy comic that is out right now is Season 8. It picks up immediately after Season 7, which ended with uh, you know, the destruction of most of Sunnydale and the Legion of uh, Slayers being activated all over the world. I have not read it, although the Buffy fans I know who are reading Season 8 say that it's really good. Um, well, apparently it's being written by Joss Whedon. So. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is either writing each issue or directing the writing of each issue. So it is it is apparently pretty uh, pretty fantastic. I mean, it, let's be honest. It doesn't really have a hard act to follow because Buffy just ended so badly, in my opinion. Like, Buffy just really peaked with that episode about the death of her mom, and then there was the musical, but it just trended downward after that. So anything... I, I mean, really, you could just have a chimpanzee in a room hitting its head on a typewriter, and it would probably bang out something that's better than season seven of Buffy. Agreed. Well, I just wanted to let you know, man. Take it easy. Excellent. You guys are great. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Um, all right, we probably have no time to talk about uh, anything else. Hey, is there, are there any additionally hot photos of her in there? Yes, there are. Really? I know, did you want to see them later? Yes. No, I, I'd like to see those now, please. Okay, they start right. there. Can I? Let me just... All right. We're it's talking so about... Creepy. I'm not creepy at all. This is... You know are what? there any I more am, hot photos? I am acting exactly <laughs> as a male between the ages of 25 and 54 is meant to be reacting to this, Sarah. Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, so these, I would encourage you, by the way, to pick up or at least stop and leer at the September 2007. Tell the people the page because I had to search for that. For like... Okay, oh, and I'm creepy. Go to page 99. No, because I had to look through that whole thing, and if they only have a second to look in the magazine yeah. store, I want them the, to see it. There's the cover, and then on page 99, the rest of the supplemental. Jesus, God. The rest of the photos start. I like this one. This on page 104, it's just a full-page picture of her ass. Nothing else. And her naughty tattoo. Just, just her ass. Excellent. Well done, Maxim. God bless you. All right. Oh, and final thought before we break. We'll come back with Lisa Goddard. If you want to be tripped out a little bit while you're standing at the, at the magazine stand, because this happened to me today when I was at the Plaid Pantry, if you want to have a little bit of a brain bend. You were looking at magazines at the Plaid Pantry. Well, I was, I was at the ATM, and I was waiting for, the, I was waiting for it to process my whatever. Uh -huh. and, and, then, um, and then, you know, there's that magazine rack over to the right. And so I'm looking. Do you, by the way, do you know they sell a men's Vogue now? Who would possibly buy that? What 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 foolish marketing department told them that was a good idea? And it, ends of Vogue. it says Vogue. It looks just like the regular Vogue. Vogue in big letters, and then across the uh, how do I put this? Across the word Vogue in small red letters, it says Men's. No man anywhere is going to buy that. That's going to sell to no one. Men's Vogue is a terrible idea. That is not the way to reverse your slumping fortunes. Um, anyway, so at the magazine rack, this month's Rolling Stone. The front of this month's, the cover of this month's Rolling Stone, which is a magazine I no longer read or subscribe to, because um, why do you need to? But the front of this month's Rolling Stone is a full-page shot of Guns N' Roses from 1987. And it is, in fact, the same photograph that graced the cover of Rolling Stone 20 years ago, when Appetite for Destruction kind of hit everybody's uh, cultural radar. Because this month, hard as it may be to believe, this month is the 20th anniversary of, of Appetite for Destruction. So they have just, they have rerun uh, the cover from 20 years ago. Freaked me out, man. It was like I was caught in just a little bit of a time warp for a second. So when you're not leering at the Lindsay Lohan photos, take a gander at the cover of Rolling Stone. It's pretty mind-blowing. Take a break here. We'll come back. Lisa Goddard around the corner. Later on, Mark Shearer, Ed McCarthy, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, and your phone call. Stay there. Sir Rick Emerson. All right there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. This is the last word about Reality Bites. 
This email says, Rick, I love Reality Bites. We watched it like once a week when it first came out on video. My favorite line is where Janine Garofalo thought she had AIDS. She says, I remember this. It's not like it's even happening to me. It's like I'm watching it on some crappy show like Melrose Place, and I'm the new character, the HIV-AIDS character. And I move into the building, and I teach everyone that it's okay to be near me. And then I die, and everyone shows up at my funeral wearing halter tops or chokers or some crap. See? That's a great line. It's a great line. It's the worst. It's like yesterday we had that great movies that you never want to see again. Uh, see uh, Requiem for a Dream in the Company of Men and so forth. Schindler's List. I heard a lot of Boys Don't Cry, too. Boys Don't Cry. Boy, that's a movie I've only seen once. Yeah, I never, ever need to see that movie again. Great movie, just like being kicked in the gut over and over with an iron boot. With a hobnailed boot for 90 minutes. You know, and here's the thing about Boys Don't Cry. And then we'll talk to Lisa Goddard. And I'll work my way back from this. And then we'll talk to Lisa Goddard. Thing about Boys Don't Cry, here's when I knew Boys Don't Cry was going to be uh, all, all capitalized here. Most depressing movie ever. is because five minutes into the movie, they cut to a bar scene. And it's, a, it, you know, it's like some beat-down bar in some beat-down town. They cut to a bar just as Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner starts to play, which has like the saddest opening to any song ever recorded. And it, like in any movie, as soon as you hear Tuesday's Gone playing, you know that nothing good is going to happen in the next uh, two hours. You know, there's two hours of bleakness and dust coming up. You know what I mean? Um, and then it ends with that, uh, that Restless Heart song. It ends with that Bluest Eyes in Texas song, which is equally depressing. So there's that. Yeah. So the boys don't cry. Um, Blah, 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 Reality Bites. So yesterday we were talking about great movies you never want to see again. Reality Bites is the, it is in that category of terrible movies with great moments. Uh, there's all kinds of movies that are really irredeemable, like when you look at like the whole picture, but that have small moments of genius. So we're not going to talk I, about I would now, actually purchase saying. Reality Bites. Ugh, I, you, you do that. You in the $5 ahead. bin at CD Game Exchange. For two fifty. dollars yeah. yeah. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why? Hello. How are you? Hello. You know, I have a friend who has a, a number of eccentricities, and he and I saw Schindler List together when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And he, not for any health reasons, but he needs to eat at a particular time. That's just how he is. Right. And that felt in the middle of Schindler's List. So, honest to goodness, he got up, went out, got some pizza, and came back. <laughs> In the middle of Schindler's List. You know, the Schindler's List goes even great, uh, even better with pizza. <laughs> it does, it does. You know, and I guess you do need a break. It gets pretty, but oh, it was right when, you know, everyone was uh, really getting herded out of the ghetto. And he said, oh, I, it's it's almost six. I need to go get some pizza. You're trying to watch the Auschwitz scene over the rustling of his candy wrappers. <laughs> Essentially, right. It's Schindler's List, and I know that this is like the understatement of the year. It's such an awkward film to watch because you really don't know how to describe it. Like, it's hard to say, that's Schindler's List. That's one entertaining film. I mean, there's no, you know what I mean? It's just, it's like somebody, uh, it's like somebody asked me, I went through the Holocaust Museum a couple years ago. And oh, I, I live here. I still haven't been there. The, it's, it will see. This is the awkwardness because I don't want to, like, how could you, do, I don't want to go, go through the Holocaust Museum. It's great. I mean, there's no way. You know what I mean? Like, how, how does one... Did you say, is the appropriate word powerful? It's, it's a powerful I suppose. Place. I mean, it's there's really, yeah, there's really no uh, non-awkward way to give a thumbs up to the Holocaust Museum. Right, It's right. just not one of those things one can effusively review. Uh, he is uncredited, but the guy who laid out the Holocaust Museum and designed, um, designed the way that you go through, because um, the thing about the Holocaust Museum uh, is that it is laid out, and, and I mean this, I, I don't mean this as a pejorative, I, I mean this in just a very, um, I mean this in just a, a very literal sense, the way that it's laid up. It is designed in such a way 
that it sort of deliberately takes you on a, on a certain emotional arc. Right. Uh, in other words, they don't hit you with, you know, with everything just full force when you walk in. There is sort of, you are sort of guided along this sort of emotional path, and, you know, and it reaches this sort of horrible apex, and, you know, and then there's a resolution and whatever. Right. Um, that is because even though his name is not uh, accredited as such, the guy who designed the Holocaust Museum was Steven Spielberg. And they don't, that's not a thing oh, that they, really? they don't really tout that. But Steven Spielberg was the executive consultant to the layout to the sort of flow of the Holocaust Museum That's and how everything is sort of placed. So it I knew is, he had a role, but I thought it was mostly a, um, a, a donor role. and may, maybe I knew he was a consultant, but I didn't know how significant. He put up a lot of cash for it, too, but he also was an executive consultant on the way that everything was sort of laid out. And, I mean, you knowing that, I mean, it does sort of make – it makes absolute sense because Steven Spielberg is, is really a master of sort of how to shape and create and place things and, you know, to get a mac, maximum you know, impact, and especially when you're dealing with something that – really, let's be honest, doesn't need a whole lot of push to be an overpowering right. sensation really. to begin with. And it is laid out in just, I mean, by the time you go through, it really, you just, you, you, it's like you're coming out of, you're coming out of ringer on the other end. You so know what I mean? Difficult to leave the Holocaust Museum in the middle and get pizza and come back. <laughs> yeah, take your, take your friend with you, arm him with some uh, milk duds beforehand. Right. Right? He doesn't have, doesn't have to leave. It <laughs> is, uh, but uh, yeah, you watch it, go there, as I say with so many things, go, go there on a strong day. Don't, okay, I hear you then. Don't go there the same day that, like, your puppy has to be euthanized right. or something, because it's just, you know... Right, no, I really would like to go. Don't go there the day that you've lost your job. Uh, all right, um, let's see. Uh, I don't even know what, uh, what we were talking about here. Um, yeah, hey. I, I know that it's... Um, I know that Carl Levin... Well, first of all, is yes. do you know that... If, does CNN have people uh, stationed in Iraq still? Is that still a thing that happens, that whole embedding with the troops? Is that a thing that's still taking place, or was that a was that a thing of 2003 that we're no longer doing? <laughs> it, do, it does still happen, but it happens less frequently because it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, well, we have fewer correspondents in Baghdad now than, of course, when the U.S. entered, when we had, you know, taught everybody was going with, you know, a different infantry, different brigade, uh, but now we have permanent correspondence in Baghdad, uh, depending on what's going on at the time, we have like between two and four, five, depending on, some people are producers and correspondents, uh, but, and those guys, they, they, they do go out still and embed, but they, they generally, uh, they prefer to try and get other stories as well, so they, they're not uh, installed with a military unit all the time. So we've, still, so we've got Carl Levin, who's the uh, chairman of the Armed Services, and he so he came back, and he's got all this this criticism of the Iraqi government. And here's a really dumb question: Did the Iraqi government ever end up going on like that six week vacation, or was that a thing that we scuttled? They, well, it was going to be a two month vacation or a two month recess, however you want to look at it. They were going to take two months off, and they did instead go down to one month. And they return now in just over just just over a week, two weeks, and uh, and now this is what Carl Levin is saying. He says when the parliament comes back. I want you to vote out your prime minister. It was a very blunt statement yesterday. Carl Levin said, I just don't think he can make Iraq stable. He's not going to make the tough decisions. And essentially he said he's too close, too beholden to his own sect, to the Shia uh, religion and to uh, Shia, he didn't say militias, but essentially uh, the Shia leaders to actually unify the country. And we're now getting, in fact, just crossing the wire now, uh, it, the U.S. ambassador to Iraq is now coming out and saying uh, the Iraqi government has made extremely disappointing progress. 
So I think what's shaping up here, Rick, is, is people will say the military may have made some progress. Violence may be down a little bit uh, or a lot, depending on where you are. Things Violence a little bit better. But the government, almost everyone agrees that, that there's serious problems with the Iraqi government, that they're not making the decisions they need to make. They're not unifying. And, and now we are hearing more talk in Washington about the ideas of uh, some sort of uh, – kind of federation where you have uh, a loose division maybe of three separate provinces that have stronger autonomous power in Iraq. A lot of people don't like that idea, but more and more people are talking about it now because the central government in Iraq is so weak. Is the, here's a dumb question. Is, is the Iraqi government, do you suppose, just not getting anything done because they know we're still there? You know what I mean? It's sort of like when my, you know, my mom kept asking me to clean my room and I wouldn't because I knew eventually she'd get tired of it and clean it herself. <laughs> Right. What's your mom doing? We might need her in Iraq. But, the, it's, you know, that's the Democrats' argument. That's what they're saying. Until we leave, they're never going to make these tough decisions because they don't have to. We're going to be there to try and, you know, hold our fingers in the dike, so to speak, until – you know, and, until, you know, the cows come home, unless we set a deadline. And because of that, the Iraqis are not going to make the tough decisions. Other people say the situation itself, just to begin with, is is almost intractable politically because you have these different dynamics where you have religious groups uh, with religious hatred toward each other, but that have also formed their own militias that, that have weapons and have attacked one another. And, and yet, on top of that, then you have al-Qaeda, which is in league with many of the Sunni groups uh, that is also on the prowl, also a factor here. And you've got the Kurdish group. So there's a lot of dynamics, and they say there's not a lot of incentive for these groups to all agree right now because they're all bruised, they're all emotional, and they're all they all feel like they have reasons to take revenge upon one another, and and there's not you're not seeing the rise of uh, let's say a, a Gandhi-like movement where people say oh you know you know an eye for an eye makes the whole world world blind you're not that's not what's happening in Iraq people are saying no and we need to protect ourselves we need to defend ourselves and that defense is leading into attacks on each other so. All of this leads to a parliament that is having a very hard time, and you could say that you can argue over whether the U.S. presence there helps or hurts that, but, but certainly a big point for Democrats. Clearly the, the politics and dynamics on their own are, are very difficult. Uh, all right. Yeah, so there you go. My constant belief in the... The fact is they've got to suck it up, and everyone has to compromise in Iraq, and every group is trying to carve out every scrap of power that they can get, thinking that it's going to shift the balance of the future, and someday it's going to matter who got this ministry, who got that ministry profoundly. So they're hanging on to every little inch of power that they can, and because of that, because they're fighting over all of this, they're, they're not achieving anything. Well, it, it does, it, you know, it, it, is always, it is always sort of darkly amusing to see my belief in the worst aspects of human nature just completely justified, mm. you know, a day like today. Um, hey, real quick before we go, I know that you are a Footloose fan. Um, yeah. Yes, of have, course. Have you seen this? Have you seen this hideous news that they're going to be remaking Footloose? Oh, you got to be kidding! No, me. see, I knew that you would appreciate the pain that that causes me. Oh no! They're, they're going to be uh, they're going to be remaking it with that jackass from uh, from High School Musical. Oh no! <laughs> that guy, the male oh, Zach Efron or whatever his name is. See, I don't even know his name. I just know him as that guy from that guy that every. That. I don't know his name. I think that's right, though. There's something like that. There's, every time I pick up the newspaper, magazine, television, there's all these something about the, the, the freaking High School Musical, uh, in High School Musical too. That guy is going to be playing the Kevin Bacon role in Footloose: The Reimagining. So wow. there you go. So 
So there you go. Just when you thought that maybe humanity was turning some small corner, bam, right there. Right Holy there to reconfirm God. the worst of all of us. Go all out and make it completely bizarre. Now, I'm a fan of hers, but I'd say maybe why not just be kind of bizarre and throw Katie Holmes in the, in the uh, oh, I can't believe her name, Lori, uh, the female role in Footloose. I don't even, who, who does play? Who is the female lead in Footloose? It's the, it's the, the probably the skinniest actress that ever hit the screen in the 80s. And it's not, for some reason, my brain is coughing up Elizabeth Shue, and that's not right. It's, um... She was also in Fame, the TV series, I believe. Lori Singer. Lori Singer. Lori Singer? Yes. That doesn't sound right. Is that true? Yes. Oh, I'm thinking of Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. Yes, okay. she was Lori Singer, and she was, I believe she was, uh, played a cellist... On, I think, it's cellist and a singer, maybe, on Fame, the TV series? i got to tell you that Fame, here's the thing about Fame, the TV series. Fame, I'm going to live forever. Fame, Fame, the TV series, falls right next to 21 Jump Street on the list of culturally influential, or at least to our generation, important shows that I never watched. Can oh, I... you know what? See, this is where we have a bit of a divide here. I think you are correct. And, and I, let me tell you, I was a big fan. I would say the TV show, perhaps, better than the movie. Well, it depends on what you're into, and the, the movie's got its own thing going on. Certainly better remembered than the movie. I would say that I have actually never seen a single episode of Fame, the TV series, to my knowledge. I don't remember it. And I also have never seen a single episode of 21 Jump Street, which I know that just makes me a pariah among my people. So... Now that I don't, I don't know that I've. I'm sure that I have. I don't remember it, but I'm sure that I have. Twenty One Jump Street, which is one of those things you have to be able to reference culturally now, because of course it was Johnny Depp's first acting role. Right, of course. Uh, right around the same time he did the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. Of so, course. Right. All right. So there you go. So see, I even even the, you know the, the, even those those among us who pride ourselves on our cultural literacy, even we have uh, we have gaps and crevasses <laughs> in our knowledge. So all Lord right. Singer people, Laurie Singer. All right, not Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. No, not. I don't know if they're related. Yet. No. Mark Singer, who then went on to fame playing uh, Michael Donovan in uh, V, the original miniseries and television series. So, And we wrap it up. Bam! That? All right, Lisa Goddard, enjoy the rest of your day. As always, a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. There you go, Lisa Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Singer also in, let's see, Beastmaster V, V the Final Battle, V the Series, and also in Can You See What I Hear, a wacky comedy about a blind man. Uh, and we're done. Hi. Hi, Tim. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing over there? Uh, uh, Mark Shearer coming up. Uh, I got more Melrose Place email to, uh, emails to get to, improbably. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick. Hey. Hey, I just wanted to remind you, uh, Tuesday's Gone was used in the movie Happy Gilmore, and I would hardly call that a heart-wrenching film. No, that's true. It was also, somebody reminded me, it was also used in an episode of My Name is Earl, because they had kind of a fixation for Southern Rock on that show. So, no, it's true. It's, I would say that those are the exceptions maybe that prove the rule, because Tuesday's Gone really is just an unbelievably depressing song, especially that intro. Just that little, you know, now, 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 Yeah, I tend to play in the, the middle of the highway whenever I hear it, yeah, so. You, yeah, you hear it immediately. It's like your hand just curls reflexively around it like a glass of whiskey that, you know, should be there. So, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you go. We'll talk to Mark Shearer in a few. This is interesting, actually, because I got these emails about Melrose Place. Who was that? First of all, because you had actually asked me, was it you that was asking me the other day if Melrose Place still held up? I was asking you yesterday because I saw that season three was coming out on DVD and it was on sale See, for 30 bucks. And I haven't, it's not like I was a big Melrose Place watcher. I sort of saw it casually, but I... I haven't seen. I mean, it's not even rerun anywhere, is it? No, no. I think it might be rerun on the soap uh, soap opera network, which bums me out because I loved watching 90210, and I think the first season of 90210 was out on DVD. 
How just, can that not all out be on the... Uh, no, the, they the, just released the first season, I believe, this year. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And speaking I've been of, looking for the first season, and I can't find it anywhere, but I'm pretty sure it's released. That just doesn't make any sense at all, speaking of shows that are groundbreaking. That's like how they've waited 20 years to put out stupid uh, Shane Elsewhere on DVD, and they've still only got the first season out. They've had their entire lives to do it. They've had two decades to be getting that together. Yep, only one season out to another. They had like, a, like 10 or 11, I think. I would, my theory would be this, and this is just a guess. My guess would be that Melrose Place... Which was never really like a good television show to begin with. I mean, it was it was entertaining, but let's not you and I confuse that with quality. I mean, it was entertaining like so many things in that genre are. Not really you know bad. it's kind of good at the beginning. I suppose. Kind of, sort of. I suppose. I'm just saying I think they figured out that the pulp aspect is what needed to be played up. And then Melrose, because Melrose was a spinoff of 90210, was it not? I believe so. Because some, I oh, they were associated some way like... A, didn't somebody Jake, from 90210? Jake was the painter at Kelly Taylor's house, and then ah. Jake moved into Melrose Place. Oh, I yeah. want to myself. Bam! Here's the important thing. It's Mark Shearer. We'll get to him in just a second. Here's the important thing about Melrose Place is that Melrose Place had the uh, really hot Courtney Thorne Smith, did it not? She had a giant head. She didn't have a giant head. You she take that back about head. Courtney She had like Thorne a big Smith. pancake face. A pancake face. I don't even know what that means, but it's great. Okay. Let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, this is me. I completely am choking on this. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show. From New York City, CNN radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Hello, sir. She did have a pancake-sized face. Okay, Thank you're you, Mark Shearer. You know, you're just trying to suck up this hair. You're just trying to buddy up now. Right. I... Because she went on to star on, not star, but she went on to have a, uh, a, a featured role in Ally McBeal as well. Well, I just remember her doing all these crap Lifetime movies where she was a oh, crazy yeah. stalker. Yeah, and she was on Duckman, too. She's got exactly the kind of face, I will grant you this. Courtney Thorne-Smith has, presumably has, at least had, the kind of face that is made for Lifetime because not really an ugly woman. Not stunningly attractive. Like, there was nothing about Cor- I can't believe I'm spending some time talking about Melrose Place. Nothing about her really uh, stood out as exceptionally attractive. Like, Portia de Rossi had the hair. Uh, you know, she had that amazing long hair and that alabaster skin, and she's like 100 feet tall. And then, of course, uh, like on Ally McBeal, there was Lucy Liu, you know, who just had that just, just a flawless complexion, just very perfectly, perfectly symmetrical features. There was... Calista Flockhart, who got so much attention because she was stick thin. Courtney Thorne-Smith was sort of generic blonde girl. So she does, she is kind of, um, she's made well, for TV Well, that was the part she was, playing, she was playing, she was playing Billy's wife, right? No, no. What, are you talking about Ally McBeal? No, yeah. Yeah. No, she wasn't Billy's wife. Yes, she was. I didn't think they were married. I thought they were just... I'm pretty sure they were married. Weren't they married? Uh, now I don't even know. Now I don't even know. It's been so long since you I know, even watched Ally McBeal. We should talk this later. Oh, hi, Mark. I forgot you were there. How are you, sir? All right, let's party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're like channeling Bob Costantini there. Um, hey, speaking of partying, Mark Shearer, um, so you've got the – here's a question. There's, this, there's this, um, this survey. I don't know whether it's a magazine that does this or just some firm or whatever. But it's, a testing, it's a testing service. It just happens to be called Princeton Review but has nothing to do with Princeton University. But they got this whole thing where they they rank the best party school, first of all, by what criteria do they rank the best party school? First of all, that's not the only thing they rank. They rank uh, several dozen categories, uh, the best and worst things about colleges all around the country. And the corollary to top party school, which for some reason always gets the biggest news attention every year, is that they have top stone-cold sober school every year. BYU. Yeah, I was going to give you three guesses. I was just going to say, I, uh, yeah, you don't, I only need one guess for that, sir. Yeah. 
but this year, uh, West Virginia University has uh, supplanted the University of Texas at number one, and the University of Mississippi is at two. Texas drops all the way down to three. Apparently, they weren't, you know, keeping up their end of the uh, the party bargain. And uh, Florida and Georgia round out the top five. So is this? I mean, is this based on surveying? Uh, students or teachers or alcohol consumption? Do they do they canvas local stores? I really am curious as like how it is that they arrive at this conclusion. It's a uh, it's actually an online survey and they claim 120,000 people participated this year. I would imagine that if you really are at the number one party school, you're probably out getting loaded and you're probably not at home clicking on a survey on the internet. That would just be my guess. Results are flawed. You've pointed out something very serious. Yes. Here. But let me point something out uh, about what's going on in your backyard. There are there is a school that has ranked number one in three different categories. Would this be would this be WSU? No, oh, Reed sorry. College ranks number one in and this is where the survey gets semi serious. Instead of uh, ranking it academically about how many you know how many PhD turns out high ACT or SAT scores, um, they rank they they ask the students what's the best what which school has the best classroom experience, and Reed College finished number one, but. Uh, also, the, the two other areas Reed finished uh, number one was um, students never stop studying. Mm-hmm. That, that's the category. And this is a funny one, the way they word it. Students ignore God on a regular basis. <laughs> it's the, it's the, you know, the least or not at all religious student. Ignore God on a regular basis. <laughs> I just, that's really, that's an odd. And by the way, I, there was a, a newspaper article the other day about the preponderance of students at Reed who go to, who go to class barefoot. Um, and they interviewed a bunch of students who are like, you know, in three years I've never put on my shoes. So it does. That's where Steve Jobs of Apple Computer fame uh, uh, went. That's sort of Reed College's claim to fame. So Well, this year they, they had a category that's called Birkenstock-wearing, tree-hugging, clove-smoking vegetarian. That would also be Reed, I would imagine. Well, they only finished eighth in that category. Really? Who's number one? Um, you know, I don't have that handy right now. I'm guessing, I'm guessing it rhymes with Berkeley, but that's just a hunch. Good guess. All right. Uh, as always, my friend, uh, it is a, a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Mark Shearer. Thank you, sir. Mark Shearer in New York. All right. Didn't WSU used to rank, like, way at the top of when the party school? When I was there, WSU was number three. Yeah. Were you, did you have, like, a little pride in that? Is that like a, a were you always, were you guys, like, d- resolving to drink more to get it up to number two or number one the following year? No, well, I, it was my freshman and sophomore year when finally things started to go downhill. And by downhill, I mean they stopped letting us have huge street parties and lighting couches on fire and stuff. Sorry. Into each life some rain. It was so fall. fun. And they would have this thing called uh-huh. senior golf where each house was a hole. And so you'd walk around. They'd shut down the entire campus. And there would be thousands of drunk people stumbling from house to house. And each house would have a theme like there was the 40s house and there was the screwdriver house. And you'd wander. And um, just people in the streets. It's hard to believe that they might have shut that down. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of difficult to understand. Rick, if a woman's face is made for lifetime, does that mean she looks good with a black eye? I'm sorry, let me just snort. Well, you that's isn't that every uh, movie on it's from Mailman Chris? Isn't that isn't that every movie on Lifetime? It's either she's being uh, she's being beaten by a boyfriend, she's had a member of her family kidnapped, or she's struggling with uh, she's struggling with breast cancer. The creepy one that's that it. I saw was when she lived in a trailer and it had Tracy Goldman in it, and she was trying to steal her boyfriend. Really? And then she ended up killing her. It's all knockoffs of single white female on that channel, totally. or not without my daughter. And then he says Courtney uh, Thorne Smith was hot in summer school. Yes, summer school, the uh, the wacky teen comedy with Mark Harmon. Let's see. And finally, we've got this, Rick. If you care. And I do. I just read last night on Wikipedia. God, what a pack of nerds. I mean, seriously. I mean, I and I, 
I know that I'm right there among them, but seriously, Christ, who is just up, who's just sitting around at their computer reading about the, reading about V on Wikipedia? Well, it's this guy, um, Scott. Rick, if you care, I just read last night on Wikipedia that a new V book is coming out in October and a TV miniseries with most of the original cast is supposed to come out sometime after. Yeah! Apparently it's going to pretend that V, the final battle, and the whole TV series never took place. That's kind of weird, but I'm still stoked. You should play a V clip to start the show sometime. I think at least as many people know that as no Star Blazers. Signed, the visitors are our friends, Scott in downtown Portland. That is fantastic. Hey, I have a question for you about changing things in movies. Yes. So in Batman, in the Batman with the Joker, the original Batman, the Joker kills the, Bruce. Uh, the Keaton? Yeah. yeah. He kills his parents, right? The Joker yes, does? Yes. But how come in Batman Begins it has some random homeless dude running up and killing him? Uh, I do. Now, I am not a comic book guy, so I this is just my my take on this. This is what I believe to be the case. Because there's the whole dance with the devil and the pale moonlight thing, right? Really, this is a question for Aaron or somebody who reads comics, because I really don't know a whole lot about comic books. I do believe that the Joker killing Batman's parents was a creation for the first movie. I do not believe that that is, as they say, canon. I don't believe that that is actually how the comic book is written. I could be wrong about that. I don't really know for sure. I do believe that to amp up the dramatic tension, they did alter the storyline so that the Joker, whatever his name is, blah, 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 Napier, killed uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. Okay. I don't think that's how it unfolds in the DC comics. So this next series of of movies is mostly based then on the DC comic version. I think so. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna hew more closely to the comic in this in the, in the new one that's coming out. But I, again, I don't know for sure. That is a uh, that's a that's a thing that Aaron could answer for you. I don't the comic books. I really only have a layman's. Knowledge. Yeah, because I was watching Batman Begins yesterday. It just occurred to me. Yeah, I got nothing. All right, we should uh, take a break here. We come back. Tim Riley around the corner at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, what else we have coming up later on? We will talk to CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy, our hunt for the second worst story ever, and uh, we'll talk about the upcoming vacation plans for everyone. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Now everybody in the uh, building is coming out of the woodwork to talk to me about V. V really is great. It holds up pretty well. Some of the effects are a little corny. Some of the writing is a little. Uh, some of the writing is a little ham-handed. Uh, but it actually still holds up as, as a work of fiction. It's pretty compelling. And it's got Jane Badler, who was uh, who was a really hot villainess. And then it had what's her name? Uh, playing God. Who was it? What's her name? Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was that daughter who was half reptile, half human the hell was the name of that uh, the blonde heroine she was like sort of the uh, she was the polar twin to uh diana who is the evil uh, visitor uh scientist i'm just talking to myself now talking to no one just having a conversation aloud with my own brain well there are several v's here there's v1984 v1983 v2003 v1999 really v2000 well, I don't know what any of those are. All I know is there was the original miniseries on NBC. Then that was followed up about two years later with V, The Final Battle, which is sort of a, you know, a follow-up miniseries, which isn't really as good. And Kenneth Johnson, I think, didn't involve himself with that. I think he washed his hands of it. And then there was V, the television series, which was 
It, it was moderately good. The lasting legacy of V, though, is that it gave us Robert Englund, who went on to play uh, Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies. And it did have that great sequence that horrified all kinds of kids my age, where Jane Battler unhinged her jaw and shoved an entire guinea pig into her mouth. So those were good times. It's 503-733-2970, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth. It's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, here's your bill, Portland Archdiocese. Your lawyers say you owe them $18 million. Pay up. The tab includes $11 million in fees and $1 million in expenses charged by four law firms representing the uh, men of the cloth. The rest are expenses and fees charged by attorneys and experts working for both parties, including a committee of plaintiffs. In bankruptcy court, the party seeking protection pays for everybody's lawyers. The archdiocese declared bankruptcy in 2004 to head off more lawsuits. The archdiocese emerged from bankruptcy in April by settling with about 175 people. Which is a bunch of crap. The idea that the archdiocese, that any Catholic church could plead bankruptcy is just the, the biggest bunch of shenanigans, seeing as how the Catholic church is and re, has always been, I mean, since, I mean, what, for the last thousand years, has been the largest land uh, owner in the entire world. They are the single largest corporation mm. in the entire world. So the idea that any wing of the Catholic Church could plead poverty is just ridiculous, like to an extent that I can't even describe it. They turned the church that I went to as a boy into condos. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, uh Uh-oh, we have over 1,000 illegal immigrants at Oregon State Prisons. Of the 13,300 inmates, more than 1,000 have federal immigration detainers. That means they will likely be deported after serving their sentences. Why why would... uh, Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Am I starting up again? No. <laughs> Don't start with me. No. No, I'm, it's, it's fine. Um, it just seems ridiculous. I mean, what? Oh, These are nice of prisons to serve. But if you have a choice between an American prison and a... I suppose, and I guess, I guess given the fact that there's no guarantee that once we send them back to Mexico, they'll actually serve their sentence there. No. I mean, if we send them back to Mexico, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll be incarcerated, maybe they won't. I mean, a regular housing development down there is prison. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still a, it's still a step up, yeah. really. It's three hots and a cot. That's what it is. All right. Uh, police have arrested five after they rioted after a Gorge concert. This happened at the Gorge Amphitheater on the Columbia River. Uh, Grant County deputies providing security for a concert responded to a call that a person was injured in a neighboring campground early Sunday morning. But they arrived several campers who were involved in fights at the so-called comfort station. Camper? These are portable toilets. This turned into a real stink fest. The toilets were in flames. About 400 campers had gathered in the area. Some pelted deputies with beer bottles, cans, and rocks. And the windshield of a fire uh, truck was shattered with debris. Who sets fire to a toilet? That's just stupid. Who is stupid? Who decides that that's... You know what this place needs is the odor of burning feces. A whole bunch of people were here from small towns in Idaho, like Post Falls, Hayden, Coeur d'Alene. Uh, let's see, this is, uh, police arrested five people after concert goers burned portable toilets mm-hmm. and threw rocks and debris following a show at the Gorge Amphitheater. Yes. Um, blah, blah, blah. 16,000 people attended the concert and 4,000 people camped out at a neighboring campground. Oh, that sounds like fun. So where did, it, does it say what, how this started? Or was it just the usual band of drunken misfits and miscreants that decided to cause trouble? Well, uh, apparently the, these uh, toilets stunk. It was a stink fest. You know, we, well, am I, uh, you know, we really are living in some sort of a golden era of portable toilets, though, because if you go into a portable toilet now, and I hate to use this term, one of those honey bucket things. I went into a nice one at the, uh, the Parade of Homes. That's what. In Clark County over the weekend. That's, is that the same as the Street of Dreams? Yes, but it's, it's washing 
Street and you get but more for your money. But it's in Vancouver. No, it was uh, in Ridgefield. Street of Broken Dreams. Ridgefield or something? It was nice. Okay, but it's, so it's the, it's the Washington State equivalent of the Street yeah. of Dreams. They said Lewis and Clark were there twice. Not once, but twice. The uh, it, it, When uh, I went on the, uh, whatever, the hottest day of the year ride, this bicycle ride, there were some uh, supportable toilets along the way. And you know what? And I know, I'm not trying to uh, engage in disgusting bathroom talk, but you know, there's however many thousand people involved in that ride, so you know the toilets had to have been getting some pretty constant use. Mm-hmm. And yet, a perfectly pleasant smell. Is it no and no, no uh, you know, and maybe that was a, maybe it was a market of people using the toilets too, that they were uh, attempting to have some sort of, you know, hygiene uh, when they were. And you know, can I just say this? Let's talk about fantastic inventions, things that didn't exist really widely until a few years ago, and now you couldn't live without them. Where would we be without instant hand sanitizer? I mean, seriously, yeah. does anybody remember what we used to do uh, in those portable toilets before there was instant hand sanitizer? How did we clean our hands? You didn't. Is that true? Yeah. Is that really true that, that we just that didn't? That really is true. That just uh, that seems impossible. That for for the, the, up until the last you know whenever whenever hand sanitizer sort of came to the fore, which uh, to my mind is about two thousand or so. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that for the thirty years that we had portable toilets before hand sanitizer, people would go in and engage in either the stand up or the sit down bathroom activity and then not wash their hands? Right. And they'll then go back to the circus tent and keep making Friday. <laughs> um, I thought that maybe, see, that's one of those things like trying to, uh, I've said many times that I don't remember how I did a talk show without the Internet. Like, I, I know I did. I mean, I know that for many years I worked as a DJ and then I worked as a talk show host without the uh, World Wide Web. Jokes I, would come in the mail once a month. I've, and you couldn't lose, you <laughs> lose them all up in, in one week. I, um... I'd get something from Bitman. Mm-hmm. Did you ever use the Bitman comedy service? No, I use the electric weenie. <laughs> um, it was recommended by Gary Owens. Gary Owens recommends the electric weenie. I don't think I could top that. Um, the uh, No, Bitman. I would be curious to know if those comedy prep services still exist. I don't and, think so. and if so, yeah, and if so, if it's just hard times for them. You know what I mean? Because then now you got you got Fark. What the hell do you need some sort of a prep service for? Bitman was this guy, and I actually uh, considered doing this for a while. I considered becoming one of these guys to supplement my income. Bitman and his logo was, it was like an upside down bat silhouetted by the moon, but it was upside down, so it became like a big jagged smiling face. And instead of Batman, he was Bitman. And Bitman was a guy. He would sit there and he would read the news. And then he would come up with wacky one-liners for you to, uh, you know, for you to follow the news story with. And then you would subscribe, and he would fax them to you, or yes, send them in the mail. Um, and then eventually they started emailing them. But again, the internet just obviated that whole service. Anyway, um, how did I get onto this Bitman thing? I don't know. You were talking about how hand sanitizer. Oh yeah. So. I don't remember how I did a radio show before the Internet. I know that I did one. I just don't remember how. I don't remember life before instant hand sanitizer in those portable bathrooms. So I was thinking, you say we just didn't wash our hands. My thought was, well, maybe there had been soap in there but no water. And so at the very least, you would be able to lather up your hands and then maybe wipe them on your pants or on a towel or something. So. Did you say these toilets were on fire at the gorge this past weekend? Yeah, at the uh, Sasquatch. Is that what it's called? Well, yeah. the warped. I thought it would be the warped tour. No, it no this was the uh, something or other. It was different. It was the. Uh, oh, it is the warped. The tour. band's warped oh. tour. Yeah, I stayed out at under the stars a couple of years at the warped tour, and every morning I woke up and the toilets were exploded. <laughs> People would put fireworks in the porta potties, and you'd wake up in the morning and there would just be 
crap everywhere. Like really? literally, yeah, literally like 20 feet from where I was sleeping <laughs> I was without probably a probably started it. It featured a dozen bands, uh, including Poison the Well and Flogging the Molly. Flogging oh, Molly, whatever. Every year the trees are filled with underwear. Every fall the toilets explode. No, you just have to learn when you're camping at Warped Tour that you just pee outside. And if you have your other business to do, you try to do it early. They, people do that outside, too. Really? Oh, yeah. It's better than going in one of those little hell boxes. <laughs> I want to hell form boxes. a band called Hellbox. Where am I? I'm in some kind of hell box of emotion. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Back in the days of my youth, the toilets would be frozen. Hellbox. That's wonderful. A uh, Vancouver man is dead after he was pinned between a tractor and a trailer. He was trying to load cable from the trailer onto the bucket of a tractor when the tractor rolled forward. Oh. This happened in a town called Sodaville. That's a bad way to go. I thought he must have heard of that somewhere. Uh, deputies say the victim tried to call the property owners who took the call but couldn't understand what he was talking about. Oh. It did not recognize his voice. Well, I would imagine not because it was probably coming out like, ah! you know, so Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, that's a phone. And you know what? That's a phone call those guys will be in therapy over. Mm -hmm. They'll be seeing a shrink for the rest of their lives about that phone call. Jesus, that is no good. All right. Yeah, just set set the parking brake on those things. Don't try to do things by yourself. Yes. Well, I mean, really, I mean. A big bowl of twine? Maybe I'll stand here next to this gigantic spool of copper tubing, and I'll get between two huge heavy things on a slanty surface on wheels. Oh, I don't need help. I'm a man. Look at what could possibly go wrong? End up like Jennifer Jason Lee in the Hitcher. Jesus. All right. Oh, All right. Attorney General Harley Myers announced today he will not seek a fourth term. He's had enough. He's 68. <laughs> That's going to be my retirement notice. I've had enough. Bam. That's it. Thumb it is. I've had enough. F you all. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, let's see. Uh, who is this? Hey, it's Andy. Andy. Fantastic. Thank you. What's up? Hey, I was just at the work room and the porta parties are on fire and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is good stuff. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Like it started off. Oh wait, so you were there? Were you actually there at this at the warp tour? Yeah, I was at the warp tour and the campground. All right. So now, at what time? When did you notice that the the toilets were on fire? Well, first off, people started smashing the. Uh, the sink, so there's like geysers of water up in there. <laughs> like Goddamn people are stupid. Yeah, okay. but that's what the warp tour is about. It's it's just completely ridiculous. It's about it's about having feces on your hands, damaging other people's property. <laughs> it is. Oh yeah, it's about lawlessness. And when the fire truck showed up to put it out, like instantly people are like, "Dude, let's flip it right now. Let's do it." And. uh Pretty much, like, the next morning, I heard people were getting woke up by the cops that had machine guns and paintball guns with mace inside of them. Okay, I think we've just taken a big leap into hallucinatory goodness here. Uh The Okay, let's get back to when you say that... Is this about Woodstock? (laughs) (laughs) The brown acid is bad. When you said that people were flipping it, were they flipping the truck or the toilet? Uh, both. Like, I... First off, like I heard, it, if you went to the porta potties without a buddy, they'd flip it with you inside. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Um, yeah. And oh. so, did you now? Did, were, did you use one of the toilets, or did you end up having to use the outdoors? I decided to go with the outdoors. Yeah. Um, how long is the warp tour? Is that like a three-day thing, or is it just a one-day show? Uh, we showed up Friday night, and the concert started Saturday about eleven. Yeah. And uh, the only thing that sucked was. Once you went inside, you couldn't leave and come back. 
so you had to stay like the full time if you wanted to see all the good bands. So that happened to us once before. Yeah. What's that? So nothing. So um, <laughs> if uh, so, if how long into the festival was it when the toilets were disabled and set ablaze? Uh, that that was about when it was all over and everyone was back at their campsite. Right at the apex camp. of the of the event. Fantastic. Is, is camping at the Gorge during work tour the same as it used to be, just like wandering from site to site it's and getting fun. beers from people? <laughs> Sending fire to things that don't belong to you. I'm trying to have a moment with I'm this sorry, guy. go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking. No, is it still the same? Is everyone just still cool and like on their little campsites and you can meet a bunch of different people? Yeah, that's people? very cool. Nothing cool about property destruction, Sarah. Yeah, I got an excellent video of the fires on my phone. He's not even listening, and I hate you both. Can you? Are you able to send video from your phone, sir? Oh, sure. I can send that to you. Can you send me the video of the burning toilets? And, oh, totally. and pictures of the people who sent it, please. <laughs> that, if you, that would be fantastic if you can send that to me, sir. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. All right, later. All right, that's Andy. Andy. Fantastic. Next, I'll graduate doing that at nightclubs. Andy thinks it's cool to have cheap kicks and fast thrills while setting fire to toilets. All right. Andy is the uh, Andy, I believe, is the goofus of the uh, of the war, the work tour. All right. Well, the gallant stayed in their tents. <laughs> uh, gallant doesn't even need to go to the bathroom. He just—it's just like a little. Well, pink, that sounds like a fun time. Little pink squares that come out of him. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a locked Bronx basement was revealed yesterday to be a ghoulish laboratory of horrors filled with preserved skulls, sulfuric acid, and possibly, uh, oh, I don't know. It's a beyond voodoo, says Wait, one. Whoa, 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 you can't, you can't, did you hear that just now? You just glossed over something. I did. I think Sarah's holding a grudge against this because we don't find it to be amusing. <laughs> I mean, I do find it to no, be I'm amusing, to find amusing. I just wanted to see if it was still the same as it used to be. And I was hoping that it wasn't, so I wouldn't regret not going for the past few years. I should take it back, actually. I do find the setting fire to toilets really amusing. Um, it was kind of hilarious when you'd wake up in the morning and where a toilet was, there was a big mound of... Stuff. A mound of burning poo. And then you can hear the two, the three different reactions in the room. Burning toilets and a bunch of property destroyed. There's me. I'm just endlessly amused by the stupidity of human beings and the just constantly revolting behavior. There's Tim, who is a horrified and angry property owner. And then C, there is Sarah, who is actually just sort of wistful and nostalgic for the burning toilets. It is really the whole united colors of Benetton in this room. Just the whole rainbow of opinions. All right. So I guess Burning Man is more fun than the burning toilet. <laughs> burning poo. Are you going to Burning Toilet? The... I heard you gloss over something in the story. It was you, kind of sick. Do you want to read it again and do the, do the glossing over again, and I'll point out exactly when it happened. A locked in Bronx basement was revealed yesterday to be a ghoulish laboratory of horrors, filled with preserved skulls, sulfuric acid, and possibly a human swimming in a jar of formaldehyde. See? That's, I can hear the glossing happening. Do you want me to read it? No, I will. Okay. A human what? A human fetus possibly swimming in a jar of formaldehyde. Swimming is probably not what it was doing. Yeah. It's a beyond voodoo, said Don Jones, who lives in the building, and never imagined the real-life fright film in the basement. It's a freak show down there. It makes me feel ill. Phone call? I love the interrupt and the city employee broke into the hall in the apartments, into the cellar to check the faulty hot water heater. Using a flashlight, they shuffled slowly in the dark. The trio turned a quarter and spotted a twisted collection, including intravenous bags, test tubes, speakers, microscopes, and a refrigerator used to... Store blood. Uh, my face was so stunned. I had to make a U-turn as quickly as possible and get out of there, said Miss Jones. 
I couldn't run because it was so cluttered. Now, does, but I'm, now does someone live there? Well, the building owner, Barry Green, is in prison on charges of sexually abusing teenage boys. Yeah. It's the building owner's fault this time. <laughs> Cops said it wasn't clear if he owned the material, though. They found one jar that might contain a possible human fetus. They might be in a lab. Well, they have to find out. The medical examiner will make that determination. Several jars were removed from the home, and city environmental inspectors were examining some of the potentially explosive chemicals. The others contain animal remains. Uh, all right. They've complained for months over a lack of hot water and intermittent electricity. Inspectors have repeatedly cited violations in the building. City officials made some repairs of the home and sent Green the bill. Uh, an inspector finally gained access to the building and slapped Green with a violation for uh, keeping the basement locked. It's just uh, insert your own James Gum joke here. Well, that's just creepy. So he's uh, one of those rare bad landlords. I use the electric weenie. What? Oh, I, I didn't, didn't do anything. Hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Thank you, Scotty. Well, let's go on to uh, other things here in national news today. What do I do with this here? Oh, here we go. Well, sad but true, the space shuttle has landed. That's the sound of an explosion. That's the sound of the space shuttle landing safely. Oh. Well, you know, that's... Okay. Uh, mission Control <laughs> uh, heralds the safe return. You're sure this isn't an explosion? Roger, we'll stop, Endeavor. Congratulations, welcome home. You get given a new meeting to higher education. Uh, remember Apollo 13's Buzz Alden? He said uh, the Columbia disaster made everyone take notice of extra security precautions with shuttles. Our whole society has become more risk-averse, and that's certainly true of NASA. But after the Columbia accident, uh, we, NASA, is very concerned about doing the very best that they possibly can. My upper he's, plate is in danger of falling out if I You know, he's got a hot trophy wife and was seen leaving Spago in a... Swank convertible last night. I didn't even know that Spago still existed. Yeah, apparently. So. Really? Yeah. Uh, what am I thinking of that's closed? Oh, the Brown Derby is closed. Yeah, the Brown Derby's been gone. That's what I'm thinking of. All right, Spago. Spago's at like a lane. It's one of those places that I want to eat at someday just because I've heard it referenced so many times. I don't even know if it's, uh, it, could, it could be wildly overrated. Mm -hmm. Just one of the. Have you been to Spago? No. Have I haven't been to Applebee's either. Have you? Have you? Have you? You didn't get served at Applebee's? No, I haven't been. <laughs> Um, have I've you heard about it many times, but I've yet to patronize it. Same as Spago. That really, that, you, somebody really ought to be pitching that to them. Applebee's, you got served. Um, and then like, and then like a white guy would wink at the camera, and there'd be like a ding sound. Uh, have you been to Elaine's? No, I, I'm not familiar with a young lady. There's a whole, there's a whole list of places like that that I got to go at some point before I die. All right, well there you go. So the space shuttle failed to explode. Yep. Maybe next time. The U.S. stands ready to help Mexico in the wake of Hurricane Dean because we do so well with these things ourselves. The president has made that vow after a two-day summit with the Canadian prime minister and the Mexican president. I express uh, my country's concerns for the citizens whose lives will be affected by Hurricane Dean. I respect the fact that uh, President Calderon has decided to get back to Mexico as quickly as possible in a safe way. I don't know what that means. I Okay. He says the uh, NAFTA trade agreement has worked very well. NAFTA, which uh, has created a lot of political controversy 
in our respective countries has yielded prosperity. For who? <laughs> the people running the businesses. <laughs> I don't know for the people at Del Monte. I, I think. suppose so. Um, yes. So let me understand this. Look, I don't mean to re- I don't mean to as uh, as uh, uh, Huey Freeman would say. I don't mean to be bringing up old stuff. Mm-hmm. But how, isn't there like what's that place called? New Orleans? Isn't that? A, has that place been fixed yet? Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's taken it's care of great. <laughs> I mean, don't we have bridges falling down all over the country? It looks like now. Did you see that a bridge collapsed in Washington? Yeah. Some, some story the other day. And strangely, the media, which you would expect to just be putting on the front page, a bridge collapses. It, they buried it like on page 12 or something. There's some bridge in Washington just fell over. Well, if there was a little white girl in the car, they might have. Seriously, yeah. where... Where is my blonde child? And suddenly everybody, like Walter Winchell, runs to the scene. The, um, so, I mean, th- there's all kinds of stuff in, in New Orleans they still have. Well, Sarah went through this. It was, you said it was just still nothing but boarded up windows everywhere you went. Oh, yeah. It was completely depressing. But I was talking to people. Your friends must have had a good time there. Well, I don't... Setting, setting fire to things. In our little French quarter. There's nothing left to burn. <laughs> What's an Oregonian to do? <laughs> Well, initially I thought it was because somebody hadn't cleaned it up, but I guess during in some of those areas they kept the X's and the numbers as a badge of honor, kind of, in that area. Yeah. I don't know. They've kept them on. But yeah. yes, it was it was very run down and completely devastated and not fixed up at all. I think you that guys mi- had a good time. I think that might be. Some- but our pool was lovely. I think they. Uh, I think that might be sort of a, a cheap government excuse. Are you going to fix this? No, we're going to. Uh, we're going to leave it there as a living memorial to the many lives that were lost. Let's go. You know, and then that's it. You don't have to fix anything ever. All right. Uh, the president says it's important for the uh, United States neighbors to prosper. It's in our interests that the Canadian uh, lifestyle be as strong as it is. And it's in our interest that prosperity spread to Mexico. If you're a U.S. citizen, you want people that live close to you to be prosperous. What's the uh, Canadian lifestyle? What is I the have, Canadian I, agenda? I don't know. It seems like he just slipped that in there. Were we talking about Canada? I think that was a little misdirection. We were talking about Mexico there, and then he kind of waved the maple leaf in front of us to distract us from that. So, all right. So we're sending lots of money to Mexico. Why? Because of hurricanes and so yeah. forth? All right. Well, it's not that anybody would notice. No. It's not, not that. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not like there's anything here that needs fixing. Thanks so much. Thanks for that. All right. Lots of Del Monte pineapples need to be peeled, though. I'll yes. tell you that. Uh, oh, it's uh, time for Monkey Watch. Here's your uh, Monkey Watch for, uh, or as uh, Clouseau would say, your Minky Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> and it's a two-for-Tuesday Monkey Watch. First, a Rockville, uh, Maryland lady... Plans to take her fight for her pet monkey to the uh, county superior court. Elise Gazewitz took responsibility this morning for legally owning Armani the monkey. Uh, she said her plea was an attempt to uh, move her case to circuit court and that she's not guilty of doing anything wrong. I would do anything that I have to do to get Armani home. Uh, the state attorney general, William Snoddy, S-N-O-D-D-Y. I just these, these names are great. Mm-hmm said uh, keeping a monkey is against the law. We have evidence that the monkey was born after the effective date of the law, and that's why the monkey was seized from her. Who could be angry about a monkey? Who could seize a monkey? What kind of they monster is this? this woman's monkey. <laughs> it was the only love she had in her life. Uh, meanwhile, Oliver apparently has learned to pick locks, making his second breakout from behind bars in less than a month. Uh, usually the white face of monkey was back at the Tupelo uh, Zoo. Who would want to be in a Mississippi <laughs> Zoo? I don't blame Oliver. 
At this time, his cage was secured with triple chains and locks. But the monkey outwitted the Mississippians once again. Oliver's cage was standing open Monday morning, and the lock was lying on the ground. Oliver and another monkey named Baby were still in the area. Workers easily recaptured Baby, but Oliver took off. He was uh, found uh, in the yard about four miles from the park. The police showed up and helped us, said a neighbor. We surrounded him. A guy jumped on top of the monkey, but got his hand bit. Yeah. But we got him. Uh, this uh, Mississippi monkey is a uh, monkey native to South and Central America. He also freed himself July 31st and wasn't apprehended till the 6th of August. Well, first of all, A, it's interesting that it, to note that uh, the monkeys do have and they do have human behaviors because he's just like he's just like any number of criminals we read about who have they put all of this cunning and skill into breaking out from prison and then they're found like three blocks away sleeping in a, you know in a, in, a, in like a car on blocks. Well, he outwitted the people of Tupelo on numerous occasions. Yeah, sure, that's really difficult. And secondly. This is just like that that Coco the, the gorilla thing that, that that I'm fascinated by that nobody else finds unnerving. The fact that there's a gorilla that speaks English. Mm-hmm. So this monkey was in a cage and it was triple locked with three different chains, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And yet he broke out. Yeah. Does no one else find that terrifying? I mean, how did he do that? That's a smart monkey. He doesn't have. Well, I understand that, but I mean, he presumably he doesn't have a ring of keys. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have, like, a Slim Jim. He doesn't have lock-picking tools on him. If he's in a cage and it has three different chains and locks on it, how is it that he managed to open the cage? I mean, that's just freaking terrifying. There's just something not right about that. Okay, that's one of those things that's just going to haunt me. It's just going it's, it's to make it difficult for me to sleep at night. Well, the Mississippi Monkey Farm is getting titanium locks this time. They said, quote, we're tired of chasing a monkey. Okay. Uh, there you go. There's your monkey watch for... Oh, uh... uh, let's see. We have uh, our good friend Brad, who is... You've eaten at Spago's? I have eaten at Spago's. It was about 20 years ago. I think they closed it and then reopened it. And is it... Did you... I have to ask, did you, did you rush up against any celebs? Oh, it, well, remember, this was 20 years ago, but... I was sitting in between George Hamilton and Ed McMahon. Peter Lawford. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, really, I mean, of of those two, of those three guys, actually, I mean, any two of those form a perfect 1987 combination. Excellent. The only thing that would have made that better is like Harry Hamlin from L.A. Law had been there. You know what I mean? Well, there, there wasn't, I mean, I don't know why we were there. We were hicks, you know, from out of town, so it seemed like the place to go. But you had to, I think you had to be over 65, even at that point, to show up there. I remember reading these great stories about Dean Martin in the later years of his life, how Dean Martin would go into Spago, because they apparently had, like, some pasta dish that he really liked. And he would go into Spago, and it was a ritual. He would go in, they would bring him a drink, and then he would just take out his dentures and sit them on the table while he, while he ate. Just and a picture of class gonna, until the end. You don't think Sarah's going to end up that way when she's 70? Well... Fingers oh, crossed. I will, I will. Yeah, we can hope. <laughs> All right, thank you. We're just, there you go, that's Brad, the car guy. Excellent. Oh, Steve Martin's biography's on the Biography Channel this week. Really? Yeah. Uh, have, last you, night. have you read his uh, that book, Dino, by Nick Toshis? Didn't I give it to you? No. Maybe he gave it to me. No, I... Well, I read it. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great book. Mm-hmm. Living High in the Dirty Business of Dreams. That's a fantastic book. Um, you know what you ought to read? Uh, I, you know, uh, Matt Peterson still has my copy. I lent that to him and never got it back. I know that'll be hard for everybody to believe. 
Um, the, is uh, Rat Pack Confidential, which is written by the Oregonian's own Sean Levy. That's actually a really great book. Um, if you get a chance to pick up a copy of Rat Pack Confidential, I would strongly recommend it. It's probably the best thing I have read about that particular era of those guys' lives. Cause, I, mean, I love the, that era. I really do. Yeah, because Dino talks about his life before, and then there's a couple chapters on the Rat Pack, you know, the sort of summit era, uh, and then there's, you know, long after. And then other Sinatra, of course, you know, he's got, you know, a whole life to talk about. Rat Pack Confidential is just, it's a sizable book, but it is simply and solely about that couple-year period where the Rat Pack really reigned supreme in popular culture. It is, uh, I'll see if I can dig up another copy somewhere. It's, uh, it's pretty fantastic. We should take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news. Later on, we'll speak to Ed McCarthy, our hunt for the second worst story ever. Uh, and uh, Scotty J has a little uh, something he wants to share with everybody. We'll talk about all this coming up. He said, there's the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, and we have those. The, is, is the new air check from Nashua as well? Uh, no, this is from Concord. Concord. Where is, is that New Hampshire? Yes, it is. All right. New Fantastic. More of uh, the New Hampshire uh, Association of Broadcasting submissions we get back to. Stay there. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, we'll look for the second worst story ever. We'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy. Speak with Scotty J as well. Um, so, yeah, so Tim has this. So Tim is a member. I guess maybe we're both members of the Oregon Association of Broadcasting. Maybe we. Maybe they just enrolled us without asking. Like, I don't remember ever signing up to be part of the Oregon Association of Broadcasting. Did you? Did they just come and seek you out? Yes, they did. They just sort of came you. You have been called. Like you joined the Stonecutters or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so they sent um, so they sent Tim this entry form asking if he would like to be a judge for the Oregon Association of Broadcasters Awards, which I guess for best newscast or best uh, best public service program or something. Except this is the great part. Except all the submissions that you got are from New Hampshire, including uh, some from Nashville, which is of course where you were, where you and Mandy Moore were both born. Yes. Uh, all right. So do we have a new uh, a new entry? I do. Who is that? Now, the last one, did you give a grade to the last one? Did you give him a, a six or a, a seven or a five? Uh, or? Uh, yeah, I started at a five. That's the baseline. Now, I want Scotty to listen very carefully to this. Would you like him to come in? Would you like him to listen from afar? Maybe critique it if he wants All to. All right, Scotty, if you would like to... Scotty uh... J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me... Good morning, Metolius. All right. So um, all right. Hi, Scotty. How are you today? Is my mic working? It is. Yeah, I don't know. Like are you wearing headphones today? Good morning. Good afternoon. We uh, drop Scotty. There's no town called Bonanza. And I have two other interview possibilities for you here, Scotty. All right. Oh, excellent. So, all right. So this is, uh, what are we about to hear, Tim? This is a newscast by who? From, uh, this is from uh, Chris Ryan. An anchor man for WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial in Concord, New Hampshire, which is the state capital. Chris Ryan, do we think that's a made-up radio name? I do. No, well... It's two first names. Yeah, but it's uh, an Irish area, so that would be a common name there. Okay, maybe a contra- like a Chris O'Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a reduction of something. All and right. And the, the thing about this is, I listen to this, and 
it's spliced in a few places, and it sounds like a different person reading the news in three different spots, but it's actually him. Excellent. So I wonder if he did the Scotty J, if he used segments of like a exactly. broadcast from ten years ago. That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and he progressively gets tireder as the newscast goes on. So, so Sounds familiar. Like a ham sandwich. But what's different about this, Scotty, is you didn't have to begin with the wonderful world of small-town radio no. in a city of 30,000 people. This is now, are we correct about this, Scotty? Is this your first real radio gig? Uh, yeah. Don't make it, don't, doing yes, the news. Uh, We're yeah, talking about lie. doing the news. So I'm actually broadcasting to real people. This is your first radio gig, is it not? Yes. Okay. Now, these are the kind of people who are aspiring for your job, Scotty, to they, move up in a bigger right. market. And I know, Scotty, I know that sometimes you can feel downtrodden. Mm-hmm. I know that sometimes, Scotty, you can feel as though you work very hard for very little money and very little recognition. Those it, things are all true. Right. But I will but say... But you're working in Market 23. I thought... Is it 23 now? Yeah, I think it's 23. Fantastic. I thought it was 24. Even better. Mm-hmm. So, Scotty, you you are doing all those things. Uh, you are the lowest of the low, but you are the lowest of the low in market 23. Yes, almost an indentured servant, but in uh, market number 23. So what you're saying is if I move to a smaller market, I'll make You'd more money. You'd be a big fish. You'd be, really? It is true. <laughs> Sad to say, Scotty, you would be a power player if you were to move to, like, Medford uh, tomorrow. Uh, so uh, so you... This is like market 160-something, if, if that much. It, if it's even ranked. Yeah. I mean, the, the, my first market, of course, Kennewick, I think is actually so small, mm. I'm, I don't even know that it's ranked um, in terms of market. Oh, it's size. rank, all right. And this is going to get you down to market 125, so I would... Uh, I've lost the humor. Um, the uh, and then I went and then I spoke ham, which is I think at the time was 130 market 132 something mm-hmm. like that. And then I went to Salt Lake, which is market 35 now market uh, 23 here. So Scotty, you are you are in a place that um, you know that many people aspire to get to. So Salt Lake is below Portland. Yes, wow. not Lake, by much. Salt I Lake was 30 something. Yeah, Salt Lake was I think 34 when I moved there. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, yeah, Portland is uh, Portland is I don't know 10 slots higher. So it kind of fluctuates from year to year. But okay, so this is Chris Ryan from WK. KXL, Concord, New Hampshire. All right. Good morning at 11.05. It's time for your WKXL 1450 News Update. I'm Chris Ryan. Police in Goffstown are investigating a rash of thefts from vehicles parked downtown. The thefts happened this a past rash weekend. Of thefts. Police say 19 cars parked in and around Main Street were burglarized sometime between Burglarized? 2 and 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. They're reminding the public to take steps to prevent thefts from their vehicles, like locking car doors and removing valuables. Okay, let's let's stop right here. First of all, <laughs> hey, we have a lot in common. It's just so much here, I don't even know how to address it. First of all, what kind of accent is that? I don't know, but I'd like to hear him say bologna sandwich in there. I, I mean, it sounds like he's got a southern accent mm-hmm. that he's trying to... He's, he's trying not to have a Boston accent. He's, yeah, he sounds like he's trying to have a neutral accent, right. but it's ending up sounding like a bad job of painting over right. a because southern accent. Because he knows accent. he's recording this to send to an awards He thing. knows that the NHAB is listening. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have a, a great difficulty pronouncing the letter T, because it's not thefts. It's thefts, apparently, are happening there. And he said, does it sound to you like he's got a weird thing, like he's kind of swallowing his tongue mm-hmm. uh, when he talks? Yeah. All right. Uh, can, sir, can you back that up about ten seconds? Because I felt like we were kind of about to splice there, I don't so. think we can do that. No, it's impossible. Can't be done. These CD players really are from a different era. Parked oh. in and around Main Street were burglarized sometime between 2 and 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. 
They're reminding the public to take steps to prevent thefts from their vehicles, like locking car doors and removing valuables. As his regulars came into the South Street Market yesterday morning for Weird. the papers and group delights, does sound like it's from a different month. to talk to third-generation store owner Jim Bashios about one thing. He sounds tired. How he scared off two would-be robbers on Saturday night who threatened him at gunpoint. I'm in the middle of the worst cold I've ever had. I'm not feeling well. My head is pounding. Had a long day. Is this an Anison commercial? On the counter. Not thinking much at all. Smoke Smoke at the night, the great flavor of NyQuil got me through that up. day. I didn't even see him walk up. Puts the gun to my it's a bad sign, by the way, when the guy in the actuality sounds far better than the news He said it was a risky move, but he had the feeling <laughs> that Christopher Guinness, age 26, 17-year-old Eric Holm, had no interest in actually using their weapon, which turned out to be a BB replica pistol, according to police reports. He's making me tired. And I pushed the gun aside and say, you got to be kidding me. This guy's more excited than that. Seriously, this guy's a, a breath of fresh air. I like how he says, burglarized. He looked at his partner. They both ran out the door. And I followed him. The Concord Fire Department responded to an alarm activation in the early evening hours at the City Hall complex. Here's Battalion Chief Guy Newberry. On arrival, we found they had a water flow, and crews determined that the uh, some work being done. This is really gripping. <laughs> Jesus. In raising the Scotty, your news is so much more interesting than this. You know what I'm talking about? The water was flowing. And the damage caused it to activate and flow. So we had water damage to the stage area and underneath. Concord Quarter Baseball is on the air tonight. They're at home to take on Vermont. First pitch, 6.30 here on WKXL 1450 with Matt Corsetti. I'm Chris Ryan. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you broadcasting <laughs> the news for us. He's there got, you go, Scotty. Okay, so you got to critique this. and uh, Scotty, would, would you like you to weigh in with your critique, Scotty? Well, I think I'm still kind of, you know, uh, in, you know, in the learning curve. No, don't be foolish. You have a little more. <laughs> yeah, you've, got, you've got your snappy, Scotty. That's because I know how to edit. Jesus. I mean, first of all, that guy has a bad case of what voice and articulation teachers would call glottal fry. Mm. And glottal fry is when you put your voice back in your throat like this and you just sort of let it lay around and you don't really project it and it just sort of vibrates around in your voice box like that. And that just gets to be so irritating and so taxing to listen to. At the end. Serious, at, the end, at the end of the day, you go home and you're like, why does my throat hurt? so badly and it sounds like you feel like you're all swollen and glanded up so jesus i mean i really feel like my whole head has been swathed in cotton after listening to that it's just and his did you favor that over the wsmn no the other guy was way better the other guy was way better than that i mean even given the like dozens of edits that were in his news okay can you do this sarah Mm -hmm. can you oh we don't have scotty's news anymore that we've erased over oh darn it oh that's too bad find a way to save it but i I was gonna try to save it for posterity i can put put it in the res in two seconds if you want no no no, do this sarah can you play just a little bit of that chris ryan thing again and then we'll have scotty just read a, a news story at random. Okay, do you have the story for him? Yeah, but we're gonna I'm gonna give it to him blind. So go ahead and play just a little bit of Chris. It's time for your WKXL 1450 news update. I'm Chris Ryan. Police in Goffstown are investigating a rash of thefts from vehicles parked downtown. Thefts happened this past weekend. Police say 19 cars parked in and around Main Street were burglarized. Burglarized. Reminding the public to take. Jesus, it's like he's got a mouthful of taffy. Vehicles, like locking car doors and removing valuables. Okay, stop. You have to stop. Okay, thank you. Um, Big question. Big question. Is this? Live on the air that he did this, or did he go in the studio and make this so no, he could uh, well, send it in? It, to it the... sounds like it was live and edited. It sounds, it, it sounds, it sounds like he's like three different people within one newscast. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing. It's amazing how tired it made me just to listen to that. Mm-hmm. I am <laughs> guessing that that is several days' worth of newscasts. And he picked the best 
parts of it. Is it an NPR Sadly, type I think station? that's true. The fact that that's like a Scotty J newscast <laughs> without the music in the background. <laughs> See, it always has a little the spice. <laughs> the fact that that actually might represent the best of his newscasts just fills me with horror and shame. I don't for think all there's of any might in there. I think <laughs> so I think he he did like three days worth of broadcasting, and those are the those are the cherries. But, but the, the, the other part of this is. When you work in a small market, the only people you have to look up to are like 70 and 80 years old, and they've been there since the 1950s. That's true. So that's who you emulate, because that's all you hear. That is absolutely true. And they're often doubling as broadcasting coaches, by the way. They, they double as broadcast teachers uh, when they're not on the air. At community colleges? Yes, they do. Uh, all right, Scotty. <laughs> this story here by Frank Bass from the Associated Press. Just read that story blind, if you would. And now, Scotty J with the news. Are we on? Yeah, we have been on Scotty for question. Okay, Check, Scotty. testing. Uh, retail sales of five leading painkillers nearly doubled from 1997 to 2005, reflecting a surge in a use by patients nationwide who are living in a world of pain. Okay, see? Well, that's better than cars being broken into in downtown Goffstown. Burlerized. You're, uh, you're way more energetic than that guy is. Yeah. You, get, you do seem, when you speak, you do seem to have an excess of saliva in your mouth sometimes. Know, have you I noticed that? It, yeah, have you ever been told that know. you drool a lot? <laughs> Doesn't it well, sound I like wake up drooling? from my afternoon nap in the back phone room and find a, a puddle of drool. I'm saying when you counter. speak, you've kind of got that Michael Reagan thing kind of going on. Sometimes. You, start talking and you just, know what? I think I've figured it out. Huh. I think my mind is ten times smarter than my mouth. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, I think two miles ahead of what I say, and it gets Did all. you write really well? Yeah, I write really well. I it's just don't now, know where to put to be fair, actually, To be fair, I have seen letters that Scotty has written, and his letters are you actually... You did read that one yeah. that was very impressive. His letters are actually pretty well done. I will say that, actually. That Thanks, just when, he, when Scotty writes, he sounds... He reads much smarter than he sounds. And I don't mean that as a knock. I'm just saying I, I do believe that on the, on the printed page, uh, your thoughts achieve greater clarity. I do mean that sincerely. I think that's true. Oh, now this is probably... Now, so what, Tim, what grade will you be giving uh, Mr... Uh, Chris Ryan. Hmm. I will give him a five. Really? Now, see, he's you're giving him the same grade as the last guy. Yes. Okay. Well, and, and this is out of ten. Is that correct? Ten. If you feel good about that, well, vote. because because I was told oh, in, in the instructions not to the, crush the dreams of anybody. I was told to start at a five. I see. She's told to be kind and to not not stomp on their hopes. How no. old do you suppose he is? That guy. How old is he? Oh, straight out of 21, 22. Yeah. That market. Uh. Maybe even younger. So it is It is actually true. You made the point, though, that when you are coming up in the broadcasting business, there are very few role models. Uh, and so you just emulate whoever happens to be around. And, of course, when you're in, and this is true for and me. Their well, heyday was always like 30 years before. So, totally, totally. When you are coming up in radio, and I don't know what it's like now to come up in radio because there's nobody around to model yourself after they've all been fired. So I don't know. Which I, I don't even know who you would who you would emulate if you were a young radio person now. I mean, I don't even know if there are young radio people left. I mean, it makes me sound they're so there. old, but I just I just don't even know. I guess I guess they're all in Concord. Um, but there's always some guy who has achieved, really, in the grand scheme of things, very little success. But when you grow up in a small town, the guy who is a DJ in that small town always seems like a star. I mean, yeah, because he he covered high school football, and if you cover that, everybody in town knows who you are. Yeah, or in my case, you know, there were guys who would work on the local rock station, the local Top 40 station, and they just seemed like these huge radio celebrities. And I would meet them, and it would just shake me to my very core because they just seemed so big and important. And so I would just shamelessly model myself on them. I would just pilfer their style relentlessly. And so as a result, 
you listen to all my early air checks, all those, I mean, all those air checks that I have where I just sound so terrible, to, to be fair, I mean, it really is because I'm trying so hard to sound like some other guy. Like, speaking of sleepy sounding, I mean, we've played this one before, but listen, this is me when I'm, um, what year would this have been? I would have been maybe 15 when I did this. And we played, this is my country air check. Listen to how low and blurry and sleepy my voice sounds. And that's not because of the tape. That's because I was trying to make my voice really sound low and sophisticated. Duration, continuous country, Y106 FM. Y106 FM, Rookie Skaggs, let it be you. Speaking of out of my nose. 7 o'clock. Being rubbing pampers. Good morning. Don't forget, Little Country Church comes your way at 8.30. Now, did you have processing on there on top of it all? No, no, hell no. And these small towns do not either. No, there's like an audio box. Yeah. It was like a Radio Shack thing they stuck in there. <laughs> and and just as you said, everybody models themselves on some guy who's like 100 years old. I, I know specifically this station, the fellow who does coffee chat has been doing it for 40 years and sounds just like that. And he's been doing coffee chat every morning at 9.30 on WKXL, 14.50. I modeled myself on a guy, on the guy who did, you hear me promoting here this Little Country Church program? The guy who did Little Country Church, uh, he has passed away now, but he was a guy who was like 500 years old. He was like Methuselah. And he'd been doing that show and did this station forever. Was an icon of the Kennewick radio market. And so, of course, everybody modeled themselves on him because he just seemed like the biggest thing ever. And he just had this really bad, tedious, sleepy delivery. And that's total. I was like, well, that's the way to success. And inspirational music. Y106 wants you to know on that same note. Y106. There is a Tri-City Christmas tradition for thousands of people coming your way. The Cathedral of the Desert presents the Living Nativity <laughs> on December 13th. The thing that gives me... I sound like a mongoloid. If you're 15 there, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. In Greek delights, everybody wanted to talk to third-generation store owner Jim Bashios about... You guys do sound exactly the same. Tickets available at the Oh, that's creepy. Get a job at Columbia Center. Be there. It's going to be a so. This is I'm me. Here. It's going to be a great time for everybody. This is the uh, most lavish production of it they have ever. It's about one thing: how he scared off two would-be robbers on Saturday. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Seriously, that is joke is on you. You, you, you get a five. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to go, you know, the only difference is the tape hiss, because mine has all this audio tape hiss. Ever staged. Uh, three separate sound stages. Had a long day. Oh, oh this, this is, is the actuality. Here, hang on. Not thinking much at all. Slow Saturday night. Seven thirty. Yes, personality. Night. Guy walks. Yeah, out. I know him. I didn't even see him walk up. Puts the gun to my. What you should do is make your demo tape half of interviews with other people. <laughs> okay. So here, okay, so here's me. It's, um, a huge, fantastically complicated light and sound systems. It's going to be pretty darn cool. So, I have the feeling that Christopher Guinness. Age 26. And oh, that's just crazy. <laughs> Who do you emulate? The people you hear at the station. That's just un- that's unnerving is what that is. So is he an NPR guy? I should totally take this old air check of mine, and I should submit it to the OAB and see what I <laughs> see what grade I get. I should totally do that. Send it to New Hampshire. You get an award. Oh, man, I should totally take like one of like my old oldies air check or something and just send it in and just say, did, see, did you get a nine? You still take anybody's $20. That's fantastic. Just see... Uh, and see what they give me. Oh God! Yeah, I just sound—I just sound stupid beyond belief there. So, but you know, but at that time, to? that's who you heard, yep. and that's what you thought you should sound. Like. I modeled myself on a guy named Ralph Daly, uh, who grew up. He was one of the two guys in Kennewick that I really emulated. And at uh, that time, that is your world. Yep, it's—it's it's totally true. All right, well, go into the world uh, bravely, young Chris Ryan.
May fortune await you. No, I had more things for Scotty. Oh, it's Scotty's love. He, oh, yeah, damn it. Well, I wanted to see if he was interested in any of these interviews here. Well, Everything you wanted to know about Jane Austen. Scotty? Okay, Scotty, there's a Jane Austen interview. Well, I guess not with her. Everything you want to know about Jane Austen, there's one interview. And let's see, something of local interest. Someone named Chris the Crippler LeBon. Apparently he's some wrestler. I thought he was dead. No, he's not. No, alive. that's the crusher. He wants to be interviewed. Chris the Crippler? Yeah. Chris the Crippler, originally from Portland. He began his uh, career training with Team Quest. Does that sound familiar? He's on Spike TV stuff. Scotty, do you know who that is? Oh, is he on that reality show? Is he on that search for the next Ultimate Fighter? He might be. Show? I think that might be who that is. There's that show where they look for the next Ultimate Fighting guy. That might be him. You know, the the cool part is you'll talk to this guy, possibly, mm-hmm. and he could turn out to be someone famous or psychotic. So Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Jane Austen, I had already deleted. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is about a book. Ding! Delete. Scotty, uh, we're already running a little bit, beha- a little bit uh, behind here. Would you, like to, uh, would you like to share with everybody? Scotty called me in the kitchen this morning. And this is Scotty had an idea for an exciting new program segment, and I don't mean that uh, sarcastically. Scotty had this idea for a segment that he himself could do on the radio station. <laughs> Who well, wants to hear about Scotty's idea? I do. I do. Scotty, please well, to share now your idea for your exciting segment. I was kind of working on this idea in college, but I haven't. Uh... So it's many years in the jet game. <laughs> it's so is this your first time around in college? Just some twenty years ago, <laughs> or your recent college? This would be the recent one. Okay. Uh, where I thought that I would do kind of a a quick, either in between one minute to two minutes of, uh, well, the name of the show. Let's start there, and then I'll talk about what it's about. It's, it'll be called the Scotty J Music Note of the Day. Like a G clef? And, yeah. The, the music note. I see what you did B there. B minus. All right. Uh, and <laughs> I don't think B minus is a music note. Oh. I like where this is going already. I already okay. want to approve it. Go ahead. C sharp. Uh, no, where I can A, try to find interviews with uh, music stars or talk about, you know, hey, you know, Paul Stanley is coming to the Aladdin, whatever, and, and kind of, but in the meantime, play some of his music right there. And so it'll just be kind of the music note of the day will evolve around maybe Def Leppard is playing in... Like a Casey Kasem type of thing? Yeah, but it's only a minute or two minutes, and I'll just say something like... So this will be a... A little history on when the, the band started, you know, they started in 1970 or whatever, and they went on so to So this will this. be sort of a... Uh, just a recap of the band. A little bit of uh, uh, an overview or perhaps trivia about a musical that, artist. That, that's about it. That's, yeah, it's and you will do And this would be a daily, uh, a daily feature you would record? Well, it might be daily, but I think uh, given my time constraints, it, it'll start out weekly yes and so would it be called it'd be called what it's the am 970 scotty j music note of the day really is that going to be the full title <laughs> brought to you by am 970 solid state radio really it's always a good idea <laughs> to have, bringing it for you have the title longer than the actual bit that's always great <laughs> well that'll so cover is it an interactive if it's two bit? minutes that'll cover 30 is seconds your name going to be in the title oh several times okay <laughs> Do you see this as being a pre-recorded segment, or is this a thing you would do live on the show? It'll be pre-recorded because I want to have music uh, interlace. You have no problem having music (laughs) interlace my spit swapping when I talk. That made no sense, what you said just now. My marble, juggling of marbles in my mouth then. I'm going to have music interlaced. Really? You're juggling marbles in your mouth? In fact, I think I'm going to do the bit with marbles in my mouth. Let's just see how that works. 
Scotty J is available to juggle marbles in his mouth. <laughs> now, Should see, you find that that's something you need done? No, I told you I hadn't ironed out the the specifics of this yet. All I had was I never would have guessed that. I, name. I would never have seen through such a ruse. All right. Uh, well, would you like to do a uh, before we decide whether to move forward? This would you like to do a demo version of this? Can I put one of these together for tomorrow? Uh, I'll I'll start doing that. Yes, but in the meantime, maybe listeners can add to ideas on how I can make this something special, or just the show can be canceled too. On top of it, let's cancel it. <laughs> yes. Okay. That that's that's actually very easy to do and done. No, I'm gonna put together a demo, but it'd be great. <laughs> no, I think we've already voted. It's gone. No, wait a second. We now. regret to inform you that Scotty J's AM970, the music note, brought to you by AM970, no, 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 will no longer be heard on this frequency. First of all, you you messed up the name already. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's the Scotty CD J. Game Exchange proudly cancels. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry, am I not taking your idea with the proper seriousness? First of all, the name is the Scotty J Music Note of the Day. Get it? Of the Day. Yeah, it kind of, it rhymes. It took me hours to Music Note that. of the Day. Right. It doesn't rhyme. Oh. Anyways, maybe listeners can think of an idea on how I can make this bit work. Wait, let me understand this. So you actually don't have an idea for the bit. You have a title. Yeah, I worked on it in college. You have a title, which you have been working on for five years. And now you want the audience to actually create a bit to go with the title. That's right, Rick. Get out. I thought... <laughs> Leave now. Thank you. Maybe we can get Chris Ryan to come work here. Uh, all right, we should take a break here. We'll come back with CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Uh, more of your more of your phone calls coming up later. More from Tim Riley. The top five are hunt for the second worst story ever. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. Rick, about Scotty's new bit? How about we call it, Shut Scotty Up by Stuffing a Dead Rat in His Mouth? That's just creepy. That's from Mary. Thanks, Mary. All right. How about we not do that? Uh, let's see. Well, we can talk to Andy here. Yet another Andy. Man, it's all Andy's and Dave's this week. Uh, later on, we have more from Tim Riley. We have the top five, our hunt for the second worst story ever. We'll talk about uh, everybody's upcoming uh, vacation plans, which are happening uh, next month. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Emerson Radio Program from the South, our good friend, CNN Radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. Hello, Ed. How are you, sir? Well, how are you, Rick? How's life? How are, uh, how are things? You Are Are you uh, in Atlanta? I am, as a matter of fact. All I'm right. At the fabulous CNN Center. So you are right there at like a, like Vic headquarters. I mean, it's like Vic yeah, Central down actually, there. Actually, uh, the Georgia Dome, uh, where the Falcons play, is right next door. We've got Phillips Arena, and then you go a little bit further, and then you got the Georgia Dome. We're all in the same confines here. So you've got. I mean, there's really going to be a couple other beats, as they say in this story. I mean, I guess when he gets sentenced, that'll be the, the big one, and then when he starts serving, apparently, because they are. Is it is it today that he's going to plead, or has he already pled? He's, he's already it, done that. He did that over the weekend. Remember, we thought Friday that he was going to be able to uh, to do that, and we were wondering why such a delay. 
Well, over the weekend, uh, we got word that uh, he did it. He was uh, ready to do it. And then, of course, yesterday the official word came because the judge had a, uh, a hearing, and uh, it was a status hearing, and uh, mentioned the fact that uh, Vic was going to uh, accept uh, this plea. So this means that he's likely to get a year to 18 months in prison, could get more, because this judge apparently is a tough sentencing judge. And we'll find out. Now, is this uh, when they say could get a year, is that will serve a year, or is that likely that they'll give him a year and then he'll serve, you know, X weeks out of that? I mean, is it, the, is it the, when they give you a year down there, is it really, do they mean it? Yeah, well, these federal sentences uh, are pretty much uh, true to form. When they give you a year, they give you 18 months, you pretty much serve that out, especially as part of a plea deal. Is he, uh, is he copping to the gambling pleas as well as the, uh, the, the, the animal charges? Uh, what he's doing right now is uh, competent to what he had before that, which really uh, the, was mentioned, the fact uh, of the gambling, uh, by one of the co-defendants. So we'll see what the government has here, and we'll see what kind of a deal that he actually worked out with them. Uh, I can't really speak to that, but, of course, that would be really the nail in the proverbial coffin for the NFL because the NFL and all of these, uh, the NBA now, we're finding out with this, uh, this ref that they got, uh, gambling is really uh, the Achilles heel. Well, because and these guys are all contractually obligated to refrain from any sort of a, uh, improper gambling activity, right? Because that can result in a lifetime ban, or does result, I guess, in a lifetime ban if you get hit with that. That's right, exactly. You get the lifetime ban, and of course, you know, they don't want uh, any gambling at all because uh, that certainly rubs off on the sport that uh, something could be uh, a little fishy as far as a game goes, maybe shaving a Monday night game or something like that. And uh, I'm not saying that happens, but, uh, you know, there could always be. Uh, that kind of aura out there, you know, wondering, you know, hey, what's going on? On this, uh, on another note, is it, is it true? So I guess have they just thrown up their hands in this Utah mine business and just said we're we're just never going to get these guys? We're not going to find them. Well, uh, basically, they're saying it's uh, so unsafe that they're not able to get in there. Families are not happy with that. Uh, they want closure. They were hoping that they would get a, a giant hole that would uh, go in from up top and go down uh, to the mine shaft so they could at least lower a boom down there, some kind of a, a you know portable elevator. I, I'm not sure of the term, and I apologize, but uh, uh, apparently they would uh, get some somebody in uh, some kind of a container where they could go down, get them down to the bottom of the, the mine, and, and do the active search uh, inside. But uh, they think that it's uh, far too dangerous at this point, and, of course, the mine operators are getting uh, uh, a lot of criticism from family members. Is it, I mean, it seems inevitable there's going to be some big lawsuit heading their way, right? I can't see how that would be avoided, but uh, I noticed that uh, during the course of those news conferences, uh, the fellow who's the uh, co-owner of the uh, mine uh, always mentioned the seismic activity, and uh, that's something that uh, he really was uh, quick to put out uh, in the media, uh, that uh, there were seismic shifts within that mine. So, you know, uh, if it's a natural event, uh, you know, who knows what the legal ramifications might be. All right. Ed McCarthy in Atlanta. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Rick. Right. Thanks. CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Here, Ed, hurl a little bit and have the middle of the news. I couldn't tell what that was. I think it was a cough. I think he was muffling his, but it was sort of like a kind of right off. I, it's a very sad story about the mind, so I didn't want to interrupt you. Are you vomiting, Ed? There was there was something going on there. Uh, let's see. What are we? Uh, who are we talking to here? This is uh, Andy. Hi, uh, Andy. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Well, hi there. Hi. Hey, um, hey you. 
Scotty J's new segment could be the best thing ever if you did it as a mime. Was that the, was that the extent of your observation? No. Well, this supposed to be a not, joke. Yeah, or no. not at all. I, I, <laughs> I understand that it was a joke. I'm just saying, was there, was there any, was there any follow-up, sir? I just, just so I know when the, when the call is over. Well, it's, I think it's over. Okay. Bye. Now. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. All right, um, I know, Sarah, you were not particularly looking forward to this, but it is time to revisit. No. I'm just saying, there does seem to be a little bit of confusion about this issue of the second worst story ever. Well, I remember the first time around, it was said that the person with the insects was dead, which is why everyone kept voting for the plunger story, because at least the insect person was dead. And now everyone's saying that the insect person was alive. Well... Uh, the story doesn't make it clear one way or the other, is my point. The I'm trying to figure out, I, I'm either, I hate to kind of, if I sound a little scattered, I, I, I'm either, I know this sounds strange, I'm either needing a little coffee or a little a little something to eat. I can't figure out which one it is. You know what I mean? Do you ever get that when you can't quite get a read on your own sort of whatever the bio rhythm? You know or whatever what, maybe you need water. That could be true. That could be it as well. All right. Let me have some water. Hold on, everybody just sort of... Fantastic. I'm going to have a little, uh, a little sip of coffee. Oh, that does taste good. Hold that thought. Fantastic. No, that was great. That's exactly what I needed. Water chased with the coffee. Uh, here's an interesting thought, because, you know, we like to think that, as I say, we like to think that everybody listens every single day to all four hours. Um, but, you know, there are some people who maybe only listen to us for a few days uh, or a few minutes every day. There are people who listen to us on their lunch break, people who listen to us as they're maybe commuting from work to home or home to work. And because I take a coffee break at about the same time every day on the air, and because that coffee break is always accompanied by the popcorn music, it is conceivable that there are people who tune into us every day, and the only thing they really ever hear is the popcorn song. And that is the extent of their exposure to The Rick Emerson Show. Um, all right. So uh, we'll take these calls here in a second, and then we've got to revisit this second worst story ever from yesterday. Because there is some debate. Uh, this guy in Germany. Uh, was it in Germany? Well, it was reported in The Sun... But it's unclear about whether it took place in Germany. No, it is in Berlin, so it wasn't Germany. There's some debate about whether or not you would still be alive after having been bitten by a black widow spider. There was this guy who was bitten by his black widow spider that he owned. He was then consumed by a bunch of other spiders and reptiles that were in his possession. And there was some sort of debate about whether you would be conscious but paralyzed while being consumed or whether he would have been dead. And I think that that is sort of the mitigating factor that determines where we come down and how horrible the story is. So we had this story facing off against the camel story yesterday. You know, I really don't think black widow spiders have the capacity to do that. I know, like, tropical, like, weird, endangered spiders can paralyze you. And maybe not paralyzed, but maybe he was just weakened sufficiently that he couldn't get up. In other words, maybe not paralyzed as such. Uh, it, but it is conceivable that if you're bitten by a black widow spider, you simply... Um, 
you're simply not able to move. Maybe because the venom is highly neurotoxic. I do know that. Um, so it, it might just be that you couldn't get yourself off the floor, and so you would be maybe not paralyzed, but sufficiently weakened that you could not escape the onslaught of what was he eaten by? Other spiders, thousands of termites, and several hungry reptiles. Uh, so we'll get these calls, and then we'll maybe we should. Hey, Scotty, we should get Criswell, the animal guy. Can we get a hold of Criswell at the House of Reptiles? Seems like he might know about uh, he might know about this uh, this Black Widow spider business. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey there. Hi, what's up? Hey, listen, Scotty Chase music of the day would be followed by like a, a B sharp, and the next day like a D flat. Just have be one music note of the day. So literally just, and then we could do like one of those hundred-year compositions where over the course of ten years we actually play an entire sonata. And then run it all together, exactly. Excellent. All right. Good idea, sir. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, uh, hey first of all, that, uh, uh, speaking of that guy with that, with that deep voice, you know, you were talking about coming, relaxing the voice from the very back of the voice. Yeah. Uh, if you remember uh, Dick Sheets. Over at KGON, he had the deepest voice in history. No, those guys, and and I'm not talking about sort of speaking with a low voice, but I'm talking about those guys. George Lucas does this, where it's a kind of a lazy way of speaking, and it's a total lack of projection. Normally, when you speak, you project out from the diaphragm, and if you don't use your diaphragm when you speak, it all ends up being in the back of your voice like this. Maybe just it, wants to try and sound cool. Yeah, see, that's what that was my whole thing growing up, and then I realized later it wasn't so much cool as it just made me sound deficient. Uh, I think I know what's wrong with you. I think you probably just need a drink. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Two things. Number one, a black widow uh, bite isn't uh, necessarily fatal. In fact, they're usually not fatal. Um, they'll make you sick and leave a welt on you, but they, they usually don't uh, kill you unless you're sick to begin with. It doesn't say whether there was some sort of a, a previously extant health issue. And does it issues. say just the black widow bit him or multiple spiders? It says he was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider. Yeah, well, he must have been in pretty bad shape before he gets bit by that spider to die from that bite. But uh, anyway, be that as it may, uh, the Scotty J deal, uh, the, that clip you had from the fellow in New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he's been taking the Tom Brokaw uh, journalism correspondence course. You've got to clip that burglarized part of that. That's a great soundbite. Yeah, that's the two inches of bourbon before every broadcast school of uh, school of training. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Yeah, maybe the guy was sick, or maybe he was old. It actually doesn't say. Um, it actually doesn't say what what his age was. I'm looking through here. So he, you know, he might have been an old person. He might have had, uh, you know, oh no, he was only thirty. Says here he was a. Uh, he was 30 and a loner. But he's also living in a house that he basically made his own private jungle. So he could have been bitten before. So he might have actually had previous bites uh, from tending to this uh, collection of uh, venomous spiders. And so maybe if he was sufficiently weakened by previous bites, this one might have been enough to kill him. Well, and they're saying like a healthy person, and that doesn't sound like a very healthy 30-year-old man who has like, you know, billions <laughs> of insects in his home and never lives it. It does, true. It's not really the picture of cleanliness. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, Rick? Hey. Uh... A black widow spider can kill you, depending on where it bites. And another fun fact, a couple spiders that live in Oregon and probably all over everyone's houses are hobo spiders yeah. and brown recluse. They can kill you, too. Yeah, no, the, uh, I found a hobo spider in my front yard last summer. That was a... They're big bastards. No, it... <laughs> Big, hairy, ugly bastard. No, it's true. And I immediately went into my house, and I got this device I own simply for electrocuting insects. And I went outside, and man, <laughs> I... Racket. Oh, yeah, I electrocuted his ass. It was so satisfying. Yeah. You watch the smoke crawl, fly off yeah. him, and you can hear him going, ee. 
Okay, that's a little creepy. All right, thank Sorry. you. Bye. <laughs> Bye now. Help me! Uh, a little fly reference there. Be afraid. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi. Yeah, if um, I am an entomologist, and uh, if a spider bites you, it usually just, like, destroys the skin around where it bites. So the it's tissue just, becomes, it's a necrotic sort of a thing. Yeah, but if you have an allergic reaction, you will die. So let me ask you this. Worst case scenario, if your body is very susceptible to the venom of a black widow spider, is it conceivable that you would be either A, paralyzed, or B, sufficiently weakened so that you would be conscious but unable to get away? You would not. If you're sufficiently weakened, you would be unconscious. So, but it is possible that you would be, uh, that you would be uh, alive uh, but just immobile. But you, you're saying you would not even have consciousness. Yeah, you would not be coherent of anything going around. It would be like a coma. All right. Interesting. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Okay. There you go. Thank you. That was uh, Scott, an entomologist. I'll do one more here, and then we'll talk to Criswell at the House of Reptiles. <laughs> and then we probably have to break, and we'll do the voting later on in the hour. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Um, you should share that chemist story report tomorrow. Why? Wednesday. Because it's hump day. Hump day. Thank you. All right. Bye now. That's Franklin. Franklin. Wait, what am I doing there? Oh I no, I'm doing no, I'm doing the uh, do Job, I'm doing the Job know. thing. I'm sorry, I don't even know where that was coming. They all merged together in my head. Oh, is this Chris? Well, fantastic. Let's uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's find where the hell our sound bed is. Let's do that, huh? Let's see. Oh, here we go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the House of Reptiles. The one, the only, Tim Criswell. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Hey, what's up, brother? So, um, do you know much about black widow spiders? No, I know a little bit. All right. So we had an entomologist call up. He weighed in, and then you, you, you kind of know generally about reptiles and things that are creepy and crawly. Have you ever heard about either a black widow or a reptile that would bite you and then uh, leave you awake, you know, sort of conscious, but either paralyzed or just weakened to the point that you can't move? Um, I've never heard of a reptile that that would apply to. So there's no venomous kind of reptile that would paralyze you or just render you unable to move? No. All right. Interesting. Okay. No. I mean, you'd, you'd be, uh, that would be an effect of venom, but that's, you know, that's why all the venom is also killing you. Okay. So, so one, so it would probably be only just as you die. So if you were bitten by one of these, you would either be up and around or you would be dead. There's probably no middle ground there. Well, you could, you know, if the venom wasn't strong enough, you could be up and around and just hurting real bad. Right. But but at that point, you would probably get out of the house anyway. <laughs> you would probably not stick around to be devoured by a bunch of termites. I would hope, yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. At the House of Reptiles, it's Tim Criswell. All right. Uh, that is cool music. It's the best music ever. It's 503. Have you ever seen Ed Wood? No, we've had this conversation. No. You've got to see Ed Wood one of these days. I will. It is, in my opinion, not maybe not the definitive Johnny Depp film. The definitive Tim Burton film, though. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'll tell you what. We should break here. Uh, we'll come back around the corner with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, then we'll be voting on the uh, second worst story uh, uh, you've ever heard. Let's see, I had some other thing. I was, oh, we got to play that Red Hot Pistol song. Don't let me forget about that. We'll talk about the uh, trip to uh, England coming up for myself. Uh, let's see, what else? Well, other things. Later on, uh, like us, Donna Mike at 7, all that. We return after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
Exactly the kind of song Scotty would send us to play. Upstairs, unfortunately. Hey, Scotty, you don't happen to have the Black Widow by Alice Cooper on your computer, do you? No. All right, I, I got the other hit by Jim Stafford. Is there one? Yeah. Well, really? this was the second one. This was the follow-up to whatever the original. All right. Seriously. Okay. Well, in the next break, I'm gonna go get a much better Black Widow song. All right. Uh, thanks to whoever dropped off this. Uh, that would be Jason Crump. Thank you, Jason. Jason Crump of Vanished Twin Photography. Oh. We were talking at Aaron's uh, wife's birthday party this weekend, mm-hmm. and Jason's like, "I bought Anchorman on your recommendation, and I did not care for it." Were you talking about Cow Patty, Tim? Huh? What? Cow Patty? That doesn't sound familiar. Is that a Jim Stafford song? Yes. Let's never oh, play it. Okay. Doesn't sound familiar. So Jason didn't care for Anchorman, which seems insane. That's... Mm-hmm. I don't understand. That's the first like, I've ever heard of that. Like, I heard Tim, and he was all drunk. He's like, I heard Tim talking about it. I'll just drop it off for him. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. All right. Uh, when I he guess wasn't... it's an acquired taste. Jesus, like when spiders he... and snakes. When he... <laughs> when, he... when he wasn't busy picking screaming fights with everybody about Jane's addiction. Seriously, Fat Boy and I can tell you some story. Jason was just so drunk on Saturday, as was everybody. But, man, just picking these screaming fights with people about, about like, Perry Farrell records. It was just so bizarre. Uh, and he carries that walking stick with him, so you know at any moment he might snap and beat you to death with it. Um, all right, well, enough of it. Here's a young fellow. What's he doing with a walking stick? Ah, he's got some bum hoof. Uh, all right, let's bum see. Hoof. At the uh, Ministry of Truth, <laughs> this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A rampaging bull pins a southwest Washington deputy. You might say it's a raging bull. Mm-hmm. A deputy escaped serious injury. It was a one-on-one confrontation with that loose bull in Chehalis. Uh This happened at a uh, livestock at Large Call. Deputies tried to round up the bull and a cow in the neighbor's yard, but the bull charged, knocking down the neighbor and taking aim at Deputy Dusty Breen. Dusty Breen? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of great names in the news today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, the bull pins uh, Sergeant Dusty to bull a tree. Pin. Mm-hmm. He was able to get free as the bull tried to charge again, but Breen fired a single shot at the animal, killing the bull. Now, Dusty was bruised from the cut from the ordeal, but he was checked out with medics, and he's doing fine. The bull's owner was not located, but they could file charges against it. Yeah. So there. Say, this was put down in a little corner of the newspaper like we're not supposed to read this. Fox cancels a mock news show citing costs. Anyone familiar with evidence that liberals are funny than conservatives, might be tempted to point to the demise of Fox News Channel's one-half-hour news hour. The network's answer to The Daily Show. Now, this is um, this is that we played a little bit of this pilot on the mm-hmm. air. This was going to be the Fox News Network version 
of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart yeah. because, of course, they feel that that show is shot through with liberal bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played the pilot part of it in the air, and it was among the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, it was so bad, it was cringe-inducingly bad. And I'm not saying that they say it's too expensive to produce. It's yeah, uh-huh. it's especially because no one will advertise on it or ever watch it. That does make it kind of expensive, huh? When you can't find a single sponsor and when you have no audience for it because it's terrible. I'm not saying that liberals are always more funny than conservatives, but I'm doing saying I, I am saying that amusing conservatives who are few and far between, do stand out because they are so rare. Um, that show is terrible. And so it is kind of, where was that in the New York Times? Yeah, it was. And it's kind of interesting that they stuck it way down in a tiny little corner there. I mean, that, mm-hmm. Fox was pinning a bunch of their broadcasting hopes on that show. So it is notable that it all just fell apart. It made its debut in February and got a boost, boost from Rush Limbaugh, apparently. It drew an average of 890,000 viewers on Sunday nights, but that was only the first one. Yeah. Well, and by the way, you could, it is interesting to note, you can tell, I think uh, that guy who's filling in for Dennis Miller this week was talking about this, mm-hmm. that The Daily Show is obviously already assuming that Hillary is going to be at least the nominee and maybe the president because they're already sharpening those knives. They, just, they went after her really strong last night. Mm-hmm. The Daily Show took a lot of really hard shots at her. Um, for anybody who thinks the Daily Show is some kind of liberal program, I mean, they really just—they're like us. They just—they do just sort of go after whoever's on top. But they started taking shots at Hillary last night. It was pretty brutal, actually. So, so that's—that'll uh, be interesting to see unfold. Well, Netflix is uh, starting to smart from the competition from Blockbuster, so they opened up a uh, a network office where you actually talk to live operators, and they opened this up in Hillsboro. They hired uh, thousands of people, and they're paying them twelve dollars and fifty cents an hour to start. So when you call Netflix now. Uh, you talk to a real person, and their main office is in Hillsboro. Excellent. And apparently they uh, chose Oregon because we have the most polite people in the United States. Well, of course. I don't use Netflix um, right now just because I just you know I don't have enough time. But I do like that deal that you can if you have TiVo you can just download your Netflix stuff right onto your TiVo, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is great. Uh, so I mean I, I'm a big fan of the idea of Netflix, even though I don't really use it. So that's that. Oh, the uh, a new report is out. They declassified the CIA report on 9/11. And it shows that the top leaders of the CIA failed to use their available powers, never developed a comprehensive plan to stop al-Qaeda, and missed crucial opportunities to stop the hijacking. So what do they do? They give them more power to do nothing. <laughs> so that came out today. Uh, let's talk about the uh, kids going back to school, because you kids want to hear this, don't you? It's back to school time again. No, it isn't. You've got another couple of weeks. But children all over the country are returned to the classroom. And one thing a mom and dad must do is to get the kids organized. My number one tip is to think in terms of kids and forgetfulness and to use visual clues to help your kids remember to take things with them to and from school and also home from school. Use pretty pictures. The uh, backpack organization is the key. Designating a place. I got my kids these tug backpacks that have lots of organizational pockets, so they know in the front pocket is everything that needs to go into school to the teachers and needs to come home for me. Oh, kill me. This is yeah. Susan Powder. Imagine. Where is Susan Powder? Is she dead? Well, she might as well be. I mean, <laughs> Let's call her and leave her, her that message. Her, she lost her kids. Her husband she's living in poverty, no cars. <laughs> Without but a man, the, she's nothing. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, uh, let's call it, we'll leave that message with her plan. She drew hair. Just to simplify things. By the way, you might as well be dead. Uh, she was really hot in a weird cyborg plastic surgery kind of way. Um, it, it, she did declare bankruptcy. That's the last thing I remember about Susan Powder. Well, hey, well, her big deal was, I have the perfect life. Follow my example. Yes, and it all just sort of imploded. That's what happens when you do things like that. Hey, by the way, speaking of whatever the hell happened to, whatever happened to Kim Commando, do you remember her? 
Oh, is that with two K's? Yes. Kim Commando. That's on the show. That's how you can tell we're using K. The Kim Commando. No, it's just another show. weekend show. Uh-huh. You know what happened. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things that she was kind of, they were kind of pimping her as the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And then it all, it, it, she just sort of fell off the map. She, You know what it is? She's like the fabulous sports babe of the computer world. The fabulous sports babe is dead. She, You mean really dead or not just career really dead? Really dead. I went to school with her. With the fabulous sports babe, really? Yeah, we used to play street hockey in Boston Commons. I can totally see that. <laughs> I bet she was a great street hockey player. She was. You didn't mess with that. No, woman. no, man. She body check you into next week. I mean, when she lost her temper, the classroom was silent until she finished. <laughs> she really was just a big Brunhilde looking. She woman. was more of a man than everyone else in the class <laughs> together. Believe me. Boy, I that uh, the fabulous sports babe. I yeah, never thought so, about her. In we used to watch soap operas and play street hockey in the afternoon after school. That's the most. That's the. I, every time I picture her in my head, uh-huh. I don't know why, but she's always just smoking a cigar. It, it, and she, I don't think she I. Might have. I don't think I ever saw her smoking a cigar. If you, if anybody remembers who we're talking about, the fabulous sports babe, whose real name was Nancy Dinella. She, uh, I don't know. Imagine like a really huge, tall, aggressive Debbie Reynolds. I guess maybe that's the best way to describe her. And just, I mean, just a big wall of a woman. And something makes Scotty feel better. She started her career at the age of 40. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, you know, you, as one ages, one looks up to people who perhaps uh, started their career later than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rush Limbaugh comes to mind. He, uh, he actually did not get on, on his radio path until later in life, much later than most people do. So, uh, the fabulous sports babe. Yeah. Huh. And she also started in New Hampshire. And now she's dead. Yeah. I had no idea what she'd die of. Like cancer or something? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I, that's like yeah, the she default was a, answer. A, a big woman. She was a woman of size. She was. All right. Uh, let's see. This is John. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, uh, two calls. Uh, the visual clues to remind your children. The, the one I use is a picture of my hand whacking them upside the head. But, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't me. have laughed at that. I know. Dad, yeah. sorry, I was just joking. Joking. No no abuse here. No. no hey, uh, no, of course not. Go, going back to the spider bite here. Yeah. Um, have you guys finished watching the uh, Lost Season 3? Uh, well, Sarah has. I have I not. I did. Uh, is there any callbacks on that one episode where the people got bit by the spider and? Uh, That's exactly what I was, re- yeah, what I was referencing. Where they they're actually put into shock and they're. Um... Yeah, for like twelve hours or twenty hours or something, and and that's just the creepiest episode as. The... That is, and they never come back to it, and it's like. No, it was just kind of like a random. Hey, here's a filler kind of a side story. And it's, uh, it's what. So there uh, are these spiders that they throw at each other. It's this couple that um, have smuggled. Fun. No, that they've smuggled diamonds, and they're both just like horrible people, and they're trying to steal them from each other. One of them finds out that the other one has them and has hidden them, gets a hold of this poisonous spider, throws it on him, which makes the per- it slows down the heartbeat enough to make it seem like the person's dead. And then uh, when she opens the jar and lets them all out, turns out the spider bites her. Too. So they're both laying here in the middle of the woods. Everyone thinks they're dead. So this what do you is, think happens to them? This is on Buffy what they would call a monster of the week episode, which is it's not really involved in the main story arc. It has nothing arc. to do with it's anything. It's a sideline episode. Totally. Yeah. But it, the, the best part, just to ruin it for Rick, is thanks. Is, is right as, as they're as they're having their funeral service and they've got a hole dug in the sand and, and they're, they're and, and they're laying there and it's like oh well you know we didn't really know them but hey they're dead so let's bury them now and they get the shovel and everybody kind of turns and walks away and one guy grabs a shovel, stabs it into the sand, turns. Throws it in just as the eyeball pops open. Oh, thanks. Bye and now. Life. All right. Thank you. All right. And we're done. Here's Tim yeah, Riley. Jesus up, Christ. Here's Tim Riley. Totally numb to stories but like that. By now. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. rolls off of you. Bring on the next one. doesn't uh, matter to me. Did you get this story? Uh, somebody sent this to me this morning. Let's see. Where is this is the it? worst story in the world? No. This is, it, this, it, this is our audience. These are our people. Rick, did you see this story? It contains the phrase... Dismembering her with pole saws and other tree trimming equipment. Got it right here. Yeah. 
course you do. I wasn't. Why was I? Why did I even question it? Of course you have the story. Excellent. Uh, two tree trimmers are being held in a beheading in an alley. Tree trimmer? Her head was found in a grocery bag pulled from an Everglades swamp nearly four months ago. Jesus. Now oh. she has a name. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but her first name is Lorraine. She's from Long Island. Uh, Broward County Sheriff's detectives have two suspects, uh, and they're from uh, Port Orange. I guess this is Florida. It is. These are two tree trimmers charged with first-degree murder. Detectives from three agencies, two from Florida, one from New York, waved together the case. Uh, the family is devastated to learn what happened. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have some kind of psychological closure to this. No. Uh, this woman lived with her mother, and the mother reported her disappearance. Her head was discovered a week later in a canal along Alligator Alley. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's like every time you think the story can get worse. Mm -hmm. Killed, killed with tree trimming equipment, dismembered, mm -hmm. head put in a bag, bag tossed in the river. The river's called Alligator Alley. Mm -hmm. It's just like endless steps down into doom. That's wonderful. Yeah, there's no psychological closure, by the way. When your head is found in a bag in Alligator Alley, that's, that's a thing you're going to be ruminating over when you're 90 years old, sitting on the front porch of the old folks' home. Hi, Sarah, how are you feeling over there? I don't feel so well. Is it because of the story about the head in the bag? No. Okay. Is it because of something else? What's What's it because of? I don't know. I don't feel so hot. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, you don't have what Tim had. No, no, I'm I'm fine. Tim had a Tim had a bit of a, a stomach upset. One might say on yes. Friday. No, no. And then I had over the weekend. My stomach was I think a little churny. I've just had to pee for like the half an hour now, and I'd really like to break. Let's take oh. another call. Hi, <laughs> you're on the Rick Emerson. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Scotty we'll, can come we'll in here. We'll take this call. We'll break. We'll break in like thirty seconds. What's up, sir? Hey, how you doing? Hi. I'm uh, sorry. That was that was. I didn't even think that was so mean. I'm sorry. That was mean. I'm sorry. What? Yes, qu quickly, sir. Oh, quickly. Um, I must have missed the episode of CSI Arachnid. But with all that stuff going on with that guy, how could they definitively say it was the Black Widow spider bite that did him in? That is a good question, actually, especially since most of his skin had been taken away and eaten by tarantulas. Yeah, and then and so I, I maybe there's smarter brains out there than I do, but I, I do know what happened to the fabulous sports babe. Yes. She changed her name and became Randy Rhodes. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry, sir. The truth is a defense. Thank, oh, thank bye. you. Bye now. Uh, best audience ever. Hey, we're back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I can't go to school because I ain't got a gun. I ain't got a gun because I ain't got a job. Doctor, please don't touch the displays, little boy. <laughs> oh, cute. Uh, moving to the next aisle, we have Arachnid, uh, the spiders, our finest collection. Uh, this friendly little devil is the Heptophilidae, unfortunately harmless. Next to him, the nasty Lycosa raptoria. His tiny fangs cause creeping ulcerations of the skin. <laughs> and here... 
my prize, the black widow. Isn't she lovely and so deadly? Her kiss is 15 times as poisonous as that of the rattlesnake. <laughs> you see, her venom is highly neurotoxic, which is to say that it attacks the central nervous system, <laughs> causing intense pain, profuse sweating, difficulty in breathing, loss of consciousness, violent convulsions, and finally, uh, death. You know, I think what I love the most about her is her inborn need to dominate, possess. In fact, immediately after the consummation of her marriage to the smaller and weaker male of the species, she kills and eats him. Oh, she is delicious. <laughs> and I hope he was. Such power and dignity, unhampered by sentiment. If I may put forward a slice of personal philosophy, I feel that man has ruled this world as a stumbling, demented child king long enough. And as his empire crumbles, my precious black widow shall rise as his most fitting successor. Well, there you go. That was charming. The one and only Vincent Price, ladies and gentlemen. All right. There you go. I'm sorry, Scotty. I know it doesn't have the hillbilly twang of your, like, 70s thing that you gave us earlier. But what are you going to do? All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, that's from uh, the Alice Cooper record. Welcome to my nightmare, of course. 503-733-2970. Uh, here's what's coming up in this hour. Uh, let's see. We've got, yeah, I know he said he was already, like, 70 there. I mean, I think it was right before he died. When did Vincent Price die? I think it was like 89, maybe? So I guess it would have been after that. I guess it would have been... He died that was very shortly after, after uh, Edward Scissorhands. Didn't he? I thought that was his last That's movie. That's true. No, good good, good point. And that, so that would have been like 1890. And I remember it was almost Halloween. That's the other thing I remember. I think it was like uh, October 29th, something like that. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Now, you're thinking... He wasn't in the video for Round and Round by Rat. You're thinking of... Um, uh, Milton Berle. <laughs> he was not, Vincent Price was not in a video for Rats Round and Round. I swear to God, that was Milton Berle. Uh, here's what's coming up in this hour. We have uh, our hunt for the second worst story ever. We'll try to get to the top five more from Tim Riley. Uh, and we have, uh, oh, we have that Red Hot Pistol song as well. This is Steve. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Steve. Is this Steve? It is. Hi. Well, hi. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi. You were talking about the Pulsar, and I wondered if those guys had just finished uh, reading a couple Carl Hyacin books, you know, with the uh, nature girl where the uh, tree trimmer killed his wife and uh, made, her, made it like she drowned in a hurricane. And, and then some Indian guy uh, threw, a, threw anchors on a tourist and threw him in the water to uh, get eaten by the alligators. <laughs> sure. That's exactly what I'm talking about. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we're talking about here. The last story, the story in last hour, the last story in last hour. <laughs> yes, I, I understand. I know the story you're referring to. I'm just saying I don't know what you're talking about, sir. About Carl Hyacin books, Nature Girl and Stormy Weather. And we're back at the beginning. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Look, I don't mean to be a jerk. I just don't know what you're talking about. Rick, about Youth and Revolt, I just picked up a copy of Youth and Revolt at Powell's. I believe it may actually be the last copy in the entire Powell's system. I'm going to start it tomorrow night, and we'll report back. If it's half as good as you say it is, it should be an awesome read. Signed, Chris. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy it, sir. Uh, later on this week, 
Uh, I don't want people to be awash in book recommendations. So later on this week, we will talk about uh, I'll, I'll talk about this other book that I've made. We'll do both ends of the spectrum. Since we've talked about Youth and Revolt being a great book uh, on the comedic end of things, we'll talk about this sort of, sort of the dark book that I read a few weeks ago. Um, all right. Oh, is this something about Milton Berle? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Hey. Was, Milton Berle was in the rap video. His, his uh, nephew was the manager of the band. Is that true? Yeah, I remember they uh, they interviewed him once on uh, you know behind the music one of those VH1 deals. Right, and uh, that was his big claim to fame. Interesting. How well how, that's a thing you can totally luck into. You know what I mean? If you happen to if you happen to be related to Milton Berle in any way, shape, or all. So yeah, that, that was the highlight of his life too. Seriously, and probably the highlight of Rat's career really, which is sort of sad when you think about it. <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. Thanks. All right, um, all right, it's two oh three, so. Here is what we're going to do. We should wait for Tim to be back before I talk about my England thing, because he's been there, too. Are we going to do the worst story? So we should do the second worst story. So, Scotty, um, yeah, so let's do this. Scotty, so let's go ahead and clear these. And what we'll do is we'll do the second worst story ever here. We'll go ahead and clear these calls out. We'll do the second worst story, uh, now armed with our new knowledge. And then we'll play this uh, song that I've been talking about. Uh, We'll play that into the break. Um, And then we'll have Tim at the bottom of the hour, and then we'll talk about the England thing. All right, so where is my, uh, let's see, where the hell did my, uh... there we go. Excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again as we endeavor to discover the second worst story in the history of the world. Now, we do this today armed with the knowledge that the pet spider probably killed the guy but did not render him conscious but paralyzed. In other words, he probably died immediately and then his dead body was consumed by the rest of his pets. He was probably not. I repeat, and this is based not only on Criswell from the House of Reptiles but also on that entomologist guy that called up. He was not, repeat, not alive and conscious while being consumed by his animals. Okay, now what about the camel lady? Yes, what about her? She was alive, wasn't she, until she was crushed? Well, I think she was alive until it killed her. She was, she was alive until, until she Aren't was dead. Aren't we all alive until we're dead? That's what I'm saying. I mean, well, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't really specify at what point in the act. Um, yeah, I don't know. All I've got is what's in the story here. All right. So there was some controversy about this yesterday, though, and about whether or not the man was still alive while being eaten by these uh, creatures. So let us proceed forward under the assumption that he was not, repeat, not conscious while being eaten. So I will read both stories here. Then we will vote, and at the end of the vote, we will determine which story is the worst ever. Story number one and reigning champion, Pet Spider Kills Its Owner. This is from The Sun. A man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then eaten by the other creepy crawlies. Police broke into Mark Vogel's apartment to find spider Bettina, along with 200 others, several snakes, a gecko lizard named Helmet, and several thousand termites had all gorged on his body. Neighbors alerted police after becoming alarmed by the smell. Horrified officers were met by a nightmare scene. A police spokesman said it was like a horror movie. His corpse was over the sofa. Giant webs draped over him. Spiders all over him. They were coming out of his mouth and nose. There was everything one could imagine. Larger pieces of his flesh had been torn off by the lizards and had been scooped up and taken back to the webs of tarantulas and the other bird-eating spiders. Vogel, a 30-year-old loner, never invited people back to his home, a small apartment in the city of Dorman, 
Police described it as a cross between a botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground in the movie Silence of the Lambs. One tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in the corner of the ceiling. Vogel also had a boa constrictor and several poisonous frogs. That's story number one. Here is story number two. Sorry, let me adjust here. Story number two comes from the Star, an Australian newspaper, Dateline Brisbane. Austra uh, sorry, Dateline uh, Brisbane, Australia. Aroused pet camel smothers elderly woman. Okay, come on. I'm just reading the headline. You don't want me to edit the news, do you, Sarah? Oh, okay. I'll save my commentary till after. I'm sorry. You know, we just report, Sarah, in an unbiased fashion, and then the people decide. Okay. An Australia woman was killed by a pet camel given to her. Who gives a pet camel? Really? I'm sorry. An Australian woman was killed by a pet camel given to her as a 60th birthday present after the animal apparently attempted to have sex with her, police said today. The woman, whose name was not released, was killed Saturday at her family's sheep and cattle ranch near Mitchell, 600 kilometers west of the Queensland state capital of Brisbane, uh, state police detective senior constable Craig Gregory said. The 10-month-old male camel, weighing 150 kilograms, knocked the woman to the ground, lay on top of her, then exhibited what police suspect was mating behavior, Gregory said. I'd say it's been playing, or it may even have been a sexual sort of thing, said Gregory, adding that the camel almost suffocated the family's pet goat by straddling it on several prior occasions. Camel expert Chris Hill said he had no doubt the camel's behavior was sexual. Hill, who has offered camel rides to tourists for 20 years, said young camels are not aggressive but can be dangerous as treated if pets without discipline. The fate of the camel was not known. The woman was given the camel in March as a birthday present from her husband and daughter. Gregory said she did love exotic pets. There you go. Story number two. We will now uh, take your phone calls at 503-733-2970. Would you like to put forward your slice of editorial comment, or do you feel it will influence the voting? I think... No, no, because everyone thinks that the spider one If only you could see Sarah's body language. Your, Sarah's arms are folded across her body, and just you are pulled so far back from, from the control board, it really is like you are under siege by something. And... It, just that headline, the aroused camel smothers owner. Yeah. That is just wrong. It really is. I mean, there's no... Look, I'm under no illusion that I mean, either I mean, of these stories is really That good. woman sounds like she might have been kind of normal. This guy is just living in this little freak apartment with, like, <laughs> all these insects. I mean, you should know that something like that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. All right. You I vote for the camel. Girded your loins. You ready? Yes. All right, it's 503-733-2970. By the way, Vincent Price died October 25th, 1993. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find the most uh, the most revolting, sir? Yeah, Rick, they're both disturbing, but I'd have to go with number one because, you know, those termites were using the guy's veins as like a super highway, and, you know, the people oh. coming in oh. had to see that. Oh, that's disgusting. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Yeah, I'm... Thinking being crushed and raped by a camel, although I'm not a female, and you are able to project a little bit. You're able to empathize. Yeah, and then plus, uh, termites will not eat flesh. I'm the entomologist kind of called earlier. Termites right. will not eat human flesh. Only wood. What if they were really hungry? <laughs> 
They'd go for the house. All right, interesting point. All right, so you're voting for the camel, sir? Yes. All right, thank you. All right. Bye. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh, Rick, I, number two, I believe. I just need a clarification on that Australian story. Yeah. Now, was there a perforated colon involved? Uh, the story is unspecific about that. Story. I mean, it sounds very much like Emenclaw. Yeah, <laughs> like she was taken out Emenclaw style. Yeah, yeah. take me out Emenclaw, Tom. Uh, all right, thank you, sir. All right. Hi, I don't know if there's perforating of anything. A lot of these stories, uh, by the way, do involve perforations of things. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Oh, man, definitely story number one. You know, I mean, story number two, just like, it's kind of funny in a way. I mean, I know Sarah a, thought so. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, I mean, story number one is just disturbing, sick, and wrong in all ways. Yeah. All right. It, it scares me to death. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. And you know, at OMSI, there's that second camel that probably is around the size of this camel. Not the full grown, but OMSI, there was the adult camel and the baby camel. So it probably was the size of that smaller camel at OMSI, which is still pretty darn large. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Well, my dad uh, raises sheep, so arousal in animals doesn't seem to bother me much. So I, I, I still vote for the bugs. All right, thank you. All right. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Hi. Hello. Hi, which story do you find to be the worst, sir? Well, I think that number two is quite penetrating, yet number one, if they died from uh, excitement, don't, don't termites eat wood? Are we? Are you trying to make some sort of a lurid or blue reference, sir? Yes. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, which uh, we're not going to count that as a vote for anything. Hi, which, uh, which story do you find to be the worst? What's going on, Rick? Hi. Hey, yeah. Yes, hello. Hi. Frank, <laughs> I forgot how to use the phone. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? There is nothing worse than spiders on this earth. That is the most horrible thing ever. Especially when they're coming out of your nose. That's oh, good God. All right, thanks. I'm going to crit for a week. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? I'd have to say a spider bite's a pretty quick way to go, and being crushed by a camel is probably not. All right, so you're going for the second. The second, all right, thank you. Thanks. It really is neck and neck here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Well, you know, with the camel, uh, she, she, she didn't dress that way. She was pretty much asking for it, so I got to go with the bugs. Okay, thanks. That's, I'm offended. That's, sir, that's just wrong. We won't have that kind of humor on this show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Did that camel have one hump or two? No, someone made that joke yesterday. Thanks. Bye. All right. But at least Hi, you're on the... Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which uh, which story do you find to be the worst? Thank you. But if you're a spider guy who got bit by a spider. Uh, I'm sorry, so what? we missed part of your call. What? It's like you would be to it. <laughs> Uh, guy who I, I, no, I got, no, I got nothing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? I got to go with the first one. I mean, not so much for the, from the guy's point of view, because he died, because he got killed by his own pet. Yeah. stupid. But uh, from the people who had to respond and clean up the mess, I mean, that just has to stick with you. So you're saying it's simply from the scene that would greet you when you open the door. Yeah, I mean, just things oozing out of him and, yeah, imagine handling yeah. Yeah, all that's, right. all, that's all kinds of bad. All right, thank you. All right. A lot of, seems like we're taking a long time to vote today, but all right, we'll finish out this bank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh, I'm going to say the first one because I bet when you walked in there, in addition to the smell of death and decay, I bet the guy let himself go, too. 
Oh, so you're saying he was probably an unpleasant person to begin with, yeah. looking-wise. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Hi. We'll finish this out. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Hey, Rick. I think number one still got to be the worst. All right. Excellent. Because you, have to, uh, because you have to believe that at some point he was still alive through some part of that process, and it just makes it all the hickier. All right. Thank you. All right. Three more calls. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? What? What did he say? Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. All right, thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I got to vote for number one. That's just it's terribly more disturbing than being hung by a camel. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks. Uh, did you ever really think we'd, we'd be in a place in our show where people would say, blah, 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 blah is worse than being killed by an aroused camel? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Final vote. Which story do you find to be the worst? Oh, Rick, it's... It's number one by far. I mean, the, the creepy crawlies is bad, but you can always tell the size of a camel by looking at the camel's toe. Okay, thanks. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? So wrong. <laughs> Just on so many levels. All right. So there you go. The winner with double the votes today is story number one. Pet spider kills its owner. I really do feel like some special recognition that has to be given to the camel story just because of the effect it had on Sarah, really. I think I think that there are other women out there who would probably feel the same way. It really has touched a deep, dark place in you. It's I mean, it really, really has. It's really creepy. Yeah, no, it's, there's no... Well, I mean, there is a reason why we picked it as a potential worst story I think it's also ever. because I've actually seen a camel, like, at the Body World exhibit yeah. thing. Yeah, And just how big and scary they are and yeah. gross. Big and scary and gross. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. By the way, Vincent Price. Yeah, he died uh, October twenty fifth. This email says before then. I didn't know this. Before then, he was. Rec- oh, this just makes me sad. Because his last role was Edward Scissorhands. Um, before that, he had worked on uh, worked on recording the opening narration for the Nightmare Before Christmas, but it wasn't usable. Oh, that just bums me out. Well, what are you gonna do? All right. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two. 970. Um, well, okay, you know what? I was going to say that I, we shouldn't break here because it's early, but you know what? Hell, why not? So I'm going to read this one email, then we'll play this um, uh, this Red Hot uh, Pistol song, and then we will uh, then we will break. Um, I just want to read this because we had talked about ferals. Uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago we talked about Farrell's ice cream, and, you know, it just triggered this whole avalanche of calls from people uh, just in recollections about this. What? Really? All right, well, go ahead and come in, Scotty. Scotty typed in the screen, I have good news for you. Uh, let me just read this, though. Rick, I did research last night and actually spoke with the Farrell's employee who started the giant trough of ice cream. It was called the zoo. The smaller was the pig's trough. By the way, Rick, you should start a thread about the hot chicks who used to work at the original taco house on 35th and Powell during the 70s. I live right by that taco house, sir. Not only were the girls gorgeous, but they were required to wear these over-the-top smoking hot outfits. Nearly see-through, off-the-shoulder white blouses and short, uh, short, short tricolor skirts that had you... That had you begging for more chips and salsa. The girls were legendary. The Taco House girls ruled. Throw it out there. I bet you'll get plenty of feedback. Okay, what is the good news you've got? Uh, we could be talking to Dick Van Patten tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> I really had no idea that was the news you were going to give us. Really? Yeah. Why? I mean, not that I'm not excited, but I mean, what is, what's in it for him? He has a product that's going to revolutionize the pet industry. Uh-huh. All right. 
Uh, it, when will you know if we'll be talking to Dick Van Patten of Aegis Enough fame tomorrow? Uh, I should probably know within the next hour or less, and uh, it looks like it's going to be around 11.30. Dick Van Patten. Tell him I love, uh, love his work with Mr. Bungle. I will. Uh, is he related to the guy that does the World Poker Tour? Mm, yeah, what's I think name? that's his what, son. His or I think Mike Van Patten? Uh, no, uh, yeah, that's correct. Really? Is it Mike Van Patten? Think about it. Yeah. All right. I okay. think that's his son. Okay. Uh, so cool. So so let us know about that. All right. Excellent. Uh, are these calls votes? Do you suppose? I know this guy's name is George, but I don't know what he's calling about. Is it the George? No. All right. Well, you know, I guess we'll take these maybe on the other side of the break. Uh, all right. Oh, I'm not even gonna read. <laughs> I'm gonna read some of these emails coming in about the vote. No, I'm not. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna minimize it. I'm not gonna be that guy. No, you don't want to know. All right. So yesterday, I don't know. You tell me, Sarah. Is it unfair before I play this Red Hot Pistol song to play a little bit of the Lions Den song so people have a comparison for how far they've come? Mm -hmm. Is it? Should I do that? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Let me see here. Let's see. Lions Den. They probably don't want me to do this, but what are you gonna do? You're in the Lions. So, so, Tim just cringed. It's like muscle memory. Um, It's having PTSD. All right, so this band, and I'm sorry for playing this. I apologize to the band, but I have to. So this band, Red Hot Pistol, and Jesse, who uh, is the placenta guy from that listener party, uh, he had called up a while back, and he's like, hey, uh, our lead singer sucks, and we're going to give him the boot. Can the Rick Emerson Show help us find a new singer? And I said, yeah, sure, what, do you need one? And he's like, well, we've got this guy now who's the worst singer on earth, and we're going to boot him to the curb. And I said, well, nobody can be that bad. Well, he was that bad. So now listen to this guy who apparently had sung for them or was trying to sing for You're them. You're in the lion's den. So, yeah, there's that. And so he had given us an instrumental track, and he's like, why don't you have some people in the audience submit, you know, like their own vocals if they think they can sing. And we did, and we didn't really get any results from it. You know, we didn't really get anything usable. So they went ahead and they found their own new lead singer. And so Jesse calls us yesterday, and he's like, hey, so, uh, you know, we found a new lead singer. We recorded a track. You should listen to it. And he gives us, you know, the MySpace address or whatever. And, um, And I went and listened to it, and... No knock on those guys. But, I mean, you, you just don't expect much sometimes. If it's a local band or a band that just, you know, whatever. Sometimes, you know, and that's not about these guys in general. But Sarah and I, we were talking about this yesterday when we got that CD from Nickel Arcade. That when you hear a local band, you know, and you put that CD in, you just sort of lower your expectations because most bands everywhere, in every city on earth, most bands are just not all that great. And so when you hear somebody that's good, it sort of stands out, which is why, you know, it's like I, I mean, I heard the Dry County Crooks that first time years ago, and they, they kind of blew me away. And there was that, that band Bubba Speed that I listened to a few weeks ago. Those guys are really great. Nickel uh, Arcade, we were impressed by. So I go to the Red Hot Pistol site, not knowing what to expect. And this is, I don't even think this is, this is mastered. I think this is just like a raw, like a demo version of this song. I don't even think this is the finished version of this song. Um, but this is just, it's, it's fantastic. It just took, I mean, it just burned my face off just listening to it. So uh, we'll play this. We'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth with their new lead singer, whose name I don't even know. Um, tell me, and this, by the way, this sounds like our old friends in Porn Store Janitor, who I think have subsequently disbanded, but the, who, who recorded some great music in their time. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is Red Hot Pistol. The song is called Lucy, Lucy. 
Uh, and I think you can get it at their site. It's myspace.com slash redhotpistol. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Emails like this one. Subject line, Peter Carlin equals ass. Fantastic. Rick, I read, uh, I'm sorry, I read Peter in the Oregonian and I like hearing him on your show, but what an ass. Yesterday, yesterday he talked about High School Musical 2 and let us know how bad it was. Um, apparently he never saw it. So Peter can now magically review movies without having seen them? Wow, I'm impressed. And then he said, oh, my daughter wouldn't watch that. Uh, watch that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Then it, it goes on about something or other about the, about him. The, 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 what is it? Is that him talking about how his daughter had? What was his response? My daughter has taste, which is fantastic. Anyway, so there you go. He is a polarizing figure, uh, sir or madam, as the case may be. By the way, uh, oh, she says, check out the front page of the Oregonian. Those kids skipping down the street. That is really true. Have you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen the front page of today's Oregonian? No. All right. So it's those, you know, the kids, the uh, the, the the pelvic grinders, the uh, the kids that got in the swatting case. So it's a picture of them. It is weird and creepy. It's a picture of those two kids, um, Ryan Corneliuson, Cornelison, and Corey Mashburn. It's the two kids 
leaving court, okay, A, creepy thing number one, they're dressed the same. They have I, they have matching outfits on, even though I do believe they are not related. So they're they're wearing matching outfits. And they're missionaries. Creepy, yeah. And then and then they're skipping. That's the other thing. You're not allowed to run. It actually it's says here, the, the caption for the photograph is, Ryan Cornelison and Corey Mashburn skip away from the Yamhill County Courthouse Monday after a judge dismissed charges against them. It is, I mean, who skips, really? I mean, honestly, in 2007 or ever. Uh, I, I didn't think skipping was a thing that people really did. So, anyway. Especially 13-year-old boys. It, it, skipping just seems like one of those things that's like from 1870. That, you know, like, that, like Huck, and, uh, that Huck and Becky Thatcher did. All right, well, in any event. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, the new MTV survey shows young white Americans are happier with life than their minority counterparts. White Americans. 72% of white kids say they're happy, compared to 51% of Americans and 56% of blacks. So clearly, the priority is to make these 18% of the remaining white kids happier than they already are. Uh, something else, uh, MTV, Real, and Verizon are teaming up to battle iTunes. They're going to make their own uh, iTunes type of thing. Yeah, good luck with MTV that. MTV will merge its digital music store, Urge, with Real Network's Rhapsody. No one buys and it'll it. it'll call uh, be called Rhapsody America. No one buys anything from that Urge service. And the only person uh, I, I know who uses the Rhapsody thing is Scotty, which doesn't mean it's a bad service. Uh, it just means that iTunes, man, they're the 800-pound gorilla. They're a monolith. Uh, you know, I don't even have an iPod, and I use iTunes. So yeah, all right, as you should. Well, you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for that free money from the government. Remember, we told you yesterday that the uh, the state was going to return those kicker checks to you by Thanksgiving. Were you passing along false information, Tim? No, we were led down a primrose path. We were skipping, mm-hmm. skipping down a primrose path. Now it's going to be December fifteenth, not Thanksgiving. So, I had something else here. Oh, Elvis's stolen gun has been recovered. Apparently, uh, somebody stole Elvis's gun from Graceland. Is this the gun that he used to shoot out televisions? That is a uh, urban legend. Is that an urban legend? Yeah. Well, that this gun in particular was involved. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, because I, I have always heard mm-hmm. that when when he was really bored or stoned or whatever, mm-hmm. instead of getting up to turn off a television, he would just shoot it out. Yeah. He would just pull out a gun and he would just shoot the television off. And then order a new one. Well, yeah, because you're Elvis. Why yeah. not? Excellent. All right. Well, apparently, uh, a man cleaning the portable toilet around Graceland found the gun amid the muck and took it home and cleaned it up. Then he uh, returned it to the cops after he found out it was a stolen gun. Tens of thousands of fans were in Memphis last week to commemorate the 30th anniversary of the death of Elvis. Commemorating deaths is kind of weird, actually. I mean, really, I can see commemorating his birth or his whatever, but gathering to, you know, we're going to get to commemorate him suffocating on his shag carpeting. It's just kind of strange. Uh, Russia has declared September 12th the day of conception. It is the third year running. It's giving couples time off from work to do the nasty. The hope is for a new breed of Ruskies. Apparently, there are more people dying there than being born. It's one of the most sparsely settled countries in the world now. Now that they've given up most of the world, the Russians themselves, nothing. A bunch of drunks lying in gutters, so something has to be done about it. So uh, apparently... Uh, I wish you wrote history books and like social studies textbooks. I really did. Well, I'm just telling the truth <laughs> in the world as it is. Uh, I really would give. I was talking yesterday about how I want to sponsor a debate team. I really would give anything just to have like Tim Riley Day, where you just go and you know fill young minds full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Be fantastic. So they're expected to do something, and they're going to be awarded uh, fabulous prizes. 
Including a sport utility vehicle. Yes, the prize. Refrigerators. Like you need a refrigerator in Russia. <laughs> Washing machine. We've got to keep this pile of splinters cold. Yeah, all right. Oh, and speaking of deserving white children, Lake Oswego Little League beats Ohio, winning entry into the Little League World Series. So they'll be dancing in the streets of Lake Oswego today. By the way, apparently these 13-year-old boys hugged each other and then skipped away down the street. Oh, my God. Well, Scotty's on the screen like, they're just children. No one skips. I'm not, look, I'm not, I don't care. I'm just saying it's weird. Mm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the behavior. I'm saying skipping is one of those things... It's like when they'll do those lists. I wonder of... if somebody in the media paid them money to skip. Well, that's what I'm suspecting, uh... actually, that someone from the uh, some of the Oregonian, uh, Oregonian may have done this. Like, we'll pay you ten dollars to do the Nazi salute. No, we won't. Well, we'll pay you twenty dollars to skip. <laughs> well, it's like it's like you know you'll see those lists on the internet sometimes of things that you only see in the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like and I'm not going to start a whole high concept thing here. But we'll do it Friday. But you know, like in the movies, like only in the movies do uh, do people start conversations with. Well, look. You know, and only in the movies do people hang up, people end telephone conversations without saying goodbye. Or pounding their fists in the air in a boxing match. Totally. So, exactly. I was watching Mad Men the other day. Do you notice the Mad Men? No one ever says goodbye in that show. On the phone, blah, 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 blah. Click, clank. Hang up. Terminate the call. No one ever says goodbye. Mm-hmm. Skipping is a thing that only happens in Mark Twain novels and movies set in, like, small Oklahoma towns. So, it's just a little odd. I understand that. You know, criminal trials are bonding experiences and all, but really, honestly. All right. Well, they're trying to come up with uh, a new recipe for breakfast on a stick. That'll be the main event of this year's Illinois State Fair. Uh, Mix one egg with other ingredients of your choice and put the results on the stick. That's all the uh, recipe requirements involved in the Illinois State Fair's newest culinary contest, the battle to make the best breakfast on a stick. Uh, This is being uh, sanctioned by the American Egg Board and uh, the... (laughs) One of them is a Beverly Cutler Sensational Sunrise <laughs> Dipper. Uh-huh. It is sausage, egg, and cheese wrapped in a biscuit with a side of gravy. On a stick. On a stick. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little loopy. It's the end of a long There's There's going to be show. a judge according to taste, of course, a Paris uh-huh, like course. that matters, yeah. uh, in, in Illinois. Uh, creativity and ease of preparation. Okay. Among the uh, dozens of other more traditional food contests at the fair are competitions for best chocolate chip cookie, blueberry muffin, and banana bread. Ease of use. Mm-hmm. Right. So something you can eat with one hand after losing your other fist in a milling accident? Well, this stick dish will be distributed by the Oregon Department of Agriculture in their tent. Uh, okay. Uh, and real quickly, uh, before you leave, Tim, because I know that uh, you are a world traveler, much yeah, more yeah. so than uh, than myself. So I, Lara wanted me to give you guys this list of what we are doing almost for sure and what we are weighing. Mm-hmm. Because now, as you know, uh, Lara's going to Europe for three weeks b- before me. So when um, does she leave? Hey, by the way, you know, is what a small world it is. You know who uh, she's meeting up with one of her friends in Europe? And you know who it is? Uh, it's um, the wife of one of the guys in the Muddy River Nightmare Band. How weird is that? Oh, well. Strange world. That is weird. Wait, one of her buddies is? Lara is meeting up in Europe with a wild? friend of hers. Oh, well, No, it's, it's Brent's and... wife. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Brent, Brent's wife is going to be in Europe at the same time, and so she and Lara are, like, hooking up in Europe. You know, the Money Over Nightmare plan is, uh, band is playing the after party for the Soapbox Derby this, really? this Saturday at 10 a.m. Good yeah. for them. Um, so, anyway, so she's going to Europe for three weeks, and then I'm joining her for the final fourth week. So she'll be there for a month. I will only be there for the final the final. So she's week. leaving any day now, then, huh? Like uh, 10 days from now, yeah. Wow. And she'll be gone for three weeks, yeah, and then, I'll, and then she'll be in, like, Italy and blah, 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 blah. And then I'll just be in London with her. So we've got – here's what we're, we, we're pretty much positive we're doing. 
We're doing the Loch Ness thing. We're going to take a sleeper train there, spend a day in Scotland, Loch Ness, blah, 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 and then a train back. Mm-hmm. So you kind of lose almost a day total in travel time. That's dollar eight hours in train travel. Yeah, I mean, which kind of sucks. Right. But then you'll get to see a lot of it. Well, we'll get to see a lot of the countryside. Mm-hmm. And I do, in a dumb way, I do really feel like I need to see Loch Ness because it is something that occupies, but just obsessed and me so much. And you're to speak with the kid. locals because in those uh, longer trains, the, the seats face this way, and there's a table really? in the middle, so you get to speak to the locals. And or she, tourists. And she actually is looking into, she's going she's gonna to be booking a small boat that will take us out of the Loch Ness. I refuse to do it at night. That was my only like stipulation. Like a boat? No, it's like a larger, sort of a skiff Titanic. kind of thing, but I, ref, I refuse to do it during the night. I'm like, I'll do it during the day. Such a wimp. I'm like, I won't do it at night. There's no way. That's one step too far. Uh, we're taking the Whitechapel Jack the Ripper tour. Great. You realize they wouldn't actually have tours of it if it was something dangerous, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. You know, it's a stupid it's, little tourist I, trap. I know, but okay. I'm a stupid tourist. What do you want from me? It, look, I am... Anything that ever purports to be really scary just turns out there's always the same tour guide. There's well, something. I'm so, but I'm a saying... in the shape of Nessie. But the Loch Ness <laughs> thing, like, I realize that... Look, I'm 34. I know there's no, no Loch Ness monster. But you know that you I... don't I'm, know that. You know that I'm not crazy about the water anyway. No. Like, I'm not crazy about deep water, period. It doesn't matter where it is or what's in it. It could be, could be a big swimming pool. I'm not a fan of deep water. Um, and so the fact that I have all that baggage from my childhood, though, when I was convinced there was a Loch Ness Monster, I mean, you try to get rid of that stuff, but that stuff stays in your brain. It really does. Um, like we taking you to a camel farm <laughs> right now. Um, so the Loch Ness Tour, the Whitechapel Jack the Ripper Tour, um, we're going to see, wait for it, we're going to see Erasure while we're there. Um, I'm not a big Erasure fan. My wife is a huge Erasure fan. I'm kind of a casual Erasure fan, really. It, it does seem like a very uniquely British experience, too. Like, what, you know, if you're going to see Erasure, why not see him in Britain? I'm kind of a casual Erasure fan. Yeah. She's a big fan. We're going to, Sarah, you'll know what this is, the church. It's a club. Yeah, I told you about that. I, did you tell me or did you tell her about I think it? I, oh, I think I told her about it. I don't think you told me yeah, about it. Yeah, it's church. I don't know it is. It's only on Sundays. It's a nightclub, that, or not a nightclub, it's a day club. It's it's only open from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. I hate to say this. Is it like some rave-type club? No, or? it's totally awesome. You walk into this church. You only find out about it if you like know locals. At least back then, it was only like word-of-mouth locals. You walk into this place. It's an old, huge, abandoned church attached to a warehouse. Floor covered in sawdust. You walk in. You pay 20 pounds. You get a big plastic Ziploc baggie full of six beers. <laughs> And you walk around, you walk around, you can smoke, you drink, you meet people from everywhere in the entire world, and they have, like, a mock mask going on on stage. People will get drunk and, like, start dancing on stage and stuff. It is... Hands down, one of the most ridiculous experiences of it my life. It does seem like an experience. I met people from Africa, people from, you know, right. random people from the States, from New Zealand, just everywhere. You well, will have a lot of fun. So we've got that. Then uh, she has written here, this, we're, we're such dumb Americans. Then she has, see some famous fountain you throw coins in. So that's on the list of apparently things we're really doing. I don't know what that means. Uh, let's see. And then she has a couple questions. She says, uh, questions, are these things exciting and or worth it? Um, she says, Piccadilly Circus. I don't even know what any of these are. Well, that's an area. Yeah, it's a shopping is, is, it an, is it an area? Okay. Yeah. Um, it has the big, it has the build, big um, rotating billboard like Times Square, like okay. in V for Vendetta. All when right. they keep flashing to him, that's Piccadilly Circus. Uh, she said, apparently there is some famous Ferris wheel in the middle of London. The so London, the London Eye. Eye. Is that cool? Yeah, it's a, well, it's a apparently you can no. see into the Queen's office. Yeah, it costs it's, like, a, it's a touristy. Really? Yeah, is it, it costs pointless? like 30 pounds and it takes an hour right. for you to go around. You should just okay. go to the top of the St. Paul Cathed- Paul's Cathedral. St. Paul's Cathedral. See, this is why we need to ask you these guys. These guys, these Because you pay like, I think, cathedral. I like five, seven pounds, and you get to climb up ladders and stuff, get to the tip top of this old cathedral, and you can see all of London. What is the bath region? Anybody know what oh, that is? is? The, uh, where the Roman baths were. All right. It's, it's like three miles at, or three is it hours interesting? Is it cool? Yeah. Has anybody gone there? 
I haven't been there. All right, okay. I well, have. I, I stayed there. It was the scariest mark. place I've ever stayed. You must see it. Okay. It's, a, it's a haunted city. It's. Um, well, all right then. It's yes. one of the most haunted cities in, in yeah. the UK. Uh, and finally, she said, um, has anybody taken a... Uh, she has this thing about wanting to see the inside of a real uh, castle, like an actual castle that was built in mm-hmm. the, whatever, the castling times. Uh, is that a thing you can do? Do you just, like, find some... You can go like, to the Towers of London if you want. Really? There. Okay. Are you going to Scotland? Uh, yes. Do it in Scotland. Yeah, yeah they're better castles. Oh, that's yeah. true. Okay, yeah, and they're all, I get Loch Ness is actually ringed by a bunch of castles, mm-hmm. and surely one of those is going to be open to them. That's got to be a whole tourist base. Now, if you're going town, to Edinburgh, so. I mean, you can go to multiple castles well, there, and they're and all beautiful. I take it as an article of faith that, as you said, everything around Loch Ness is probably based on tourism. So there's undoubtedly some some castle there you can tour. Okay, excellent. Scotland Castle. So, oh, by the way, would you like to know how much God hates me? Sure. So guess what? So we are leaving there, I think, on the 23rd, 24th. Guess what's opening in Britain two days after I leave in London? Don't know. Two days after? Well, I mean, she's in Europe for a whole month. I'm there for nine days. Two days after I leave London? The London production of Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> Two days after I leave. All the time. Thanks, God. It'll be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Well, I'm missing against me when I'm in New York. Uh, that's a good choice. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I'm so there you go. So, that's, so thank you for your help on that because, I, I, you know, I, like Socrates, I know what I do not know. So, uh, this email says, Rick, have you read the sequels to Youth and Revolt? I have the first one ordered because of you. It better not suck. Too late, sir. It does suck. Don't read it. That's uh, Brian. So, Brian... Don't, uh, in Truck 782, don't read that. If you've ordered the sequel to Youth and Revolt, read it not. Just when you get it, just burn it. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the city. gone. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to corner you guys and talk to you more about what places you've Yeah, please do, because I don't know anything. I got zero knowledge, and Lara's got I a little bit I know where Madonna lives, because she lived right down the street from really? where I uh-huh. Oh, and I want to find a Beatles tour. Uh, now, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I figure you kind of got to do it. That's you know what I mean? pretty neat. Yeah, how can you not, like, do a Beatles tour? I mean, there's, and there's a Harry Potter tour you can take as well. You can see, you can see the Dursley's house. Uh, Aaron and Jen have gone there. I think. My friend Jenny did that, and she said it was amazing. Really? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. And you get to see where the grand... Uh, Wherever, uh, what is it like? You know, the main place at the school, where they all like meet the, the big capital. Yeah, like the grand hall. Oh yeah, the great hall. Yeah, you get to see the school that they modeled that on. Apparently, um, apparently, there's some Harry Potter tour that includes the place where where station like nine and three quarters or whatever is to platform nine and three quarters. So, nerd, nerd. All right, uh, take a break here. Come back after this. All these calls probably won't. We probably won't get to most of these calls, but we'll we'll see. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This is one of the games we played in uh, Guitar Hero on Saturday. This is one of the songs, Faster Pussycat. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Mike is coming up next. Donna Mike at 7. Now with uh, 100% fewer love song dedications in the background. Let's see. What do we got? Let's get one more call here. Uh, my apologies to those we're not getting to. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, this is Dave. Hey, what's up? I was just going to tell you, uh, Piccadilly Circus is the scene for the, the final ending of American Werewolf in London. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. Okay. Uh, and just a quick theory, yeah. uh, Scotty J is Bud Dickman. Ah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 
Excellent. Good reference. And you have to see Camden Market. What's that? It's like the little punk rock area. I know I sound like a retard when I say, what's that? It's Camden Street, but they have their um, marketplace where they sell Doc Martens for like 20 bucks. Excellent. All of them have fallen off the back of trucks, and you, really? they have tons of music stores. That's where they have all the shows. Like that's where basically the punk scene started. In should mind. I set aside a lot of uh, space in my luggage for thing, things that I'll be buying? Yeah. I mean, is it going to be cheap to buy stuff, or is it more expensive? It's fairly cheap. All right. Because depends I, I, on what you're looking to buy. Yeah, I just don't. I see, and I don't know. Like not having had any experience being outside of America, I will have no. Uh... I'm sure there'll be lots of black T-shirts for you there. <laughs> Thanks. Lots of black what T-shirts with saying? white band logos on the front. Fantastic. Uh, all right. Coming up tomorrow. Well, I have no idea what's coming up tomorrow. Is there anything we didn't get? Oh, we'll have another uh, uh, another Na- uh, New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters uh, uh, entry tomorrow. I never did get to this. I should just shred this top five and do another one. I've never gotten to this. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, about England and let you plan my life for me. Uh, and I think that's it. All right. When I thank CNN Radio correspondents, uh, Ed McCarthy, Lisa Goddard, and Mark Shearer, uh, and... Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and also Criswell from the House of Reptiles. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty J, and, of course, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. We will see you tomorrow uh, at 11 a.m. As always, my friends, don't let the bastards run it down. Thank you for listening. Be safe and watch out for snakes. Bye. Hello. Hi. You're in the lion's den.